Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the stacks. This is Jay. And I'm the Shanna of Liberty. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go with the Shanna tour. <laughs> I almost did. But at the <laughs> that's the villain, second, though. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I could be a villain. I could, that's true. It's true. Uh, so, I could also be someone who stands there and does absolutely nothing while things happen around me. I'm much better at that. Like a statue. Yeah. Uh, so this week uh, we're dipping our toe into a classic Alfred Hitchcock for the first time. Uh, My first 19... Hitchcock movie. That's so crazy. Like you've never seen the the birds or no. Psycho or. I haven't even seen Psycho. North or the remake. Northwest or. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, it's a... yeah, we'll we'll have to dig into <laughs> we're it. We're gonna get they're, into it. They're, uh, it's it, you know it's it's a great career. There's a lot of awesome stuff there you know there are some that are kind of meh uh and some that i think are outright bad but you know he had That's a really long you, career yeah exactly when you make movies all the time and you do so many for so long they're not all gonna be gold yeah like he made movies from the 20s to the 70s uh so th this is pretty early on for his american movies maybe his first american movie i feel like maybe there was one or two before this. Oh, no, no, there definitely were a couple before this, because I think he worked with... Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and what year did you say this came out? Before This I... is 1942, oh, okay. so it's during World War II, and, you know, it's very during World War II. It is so during World War II, but it's also a little bit during today, because... Nothing it resonates. Changes. Yeah, there, it's it's weird how much stuff resonates in a weird sort of way because like the fifth columnists have become QAnon in a really strange way. It, but it's uh, like it feels like somebody today were making a period piece of that era and yeah. was just trying to see how how they connect connect the sentiments of that time to our time, but that isn't what happened. That he just kind of knew that this was the direction things were going to go in well i think that's the, the one of the really key uh aspects of hitchcock is distrust of authority and especially the police so like the police are always kind of gray in a hitchcock yeah. movie at best like some of the early ones in britain the police are kind of uh just sometimes i think i feel like murder uh with an exclamation point from 1930 i think that one has a cop as the main hero but a really uncommon thing in his films despite them primarily being crime thrillers yeah it's it's well in this at least the cops are very much in the domain of the bad guy oh yeah every time they appear they're at best a nuisance like they they're never helpful in any way even at the end when things are starting to uh roll up although i guess there is that one part where they're already waiting to ambush the bad guys in an office but for the most part yeah they're they're kind of just a nuisance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just uh, there I, to get in the way of our good guy yeah I, I don't think I've even mentioned that the title of the movie is Saboteur, oh, right. <laughs> uh, 1942 Hitchcock, uh, Saboteur, uh, his second one with a very similar name. He did Sabotage in, I think, 1936. Mm. So he has a movie called Sabotage and a movie called Saboteur, and they're made within. Is Sabotage like... the origin story of Fry? <laughs> no, it's it's um, it's like. It's one that's set in, I think, the UK, and it's someone just like planting bombs. 
it's it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a very good movie. Okay, cool. Uh, different style, like much more small. Uh, his his British films tend to be uh, they they don't have the giant uh, action set pieces of his American films. Yeah, this one is a sweeping epic that takes place all across the country. It goes all the way from Los Angeles to New York. Yeah, uh, and it's the climax. Yeah, I mean the climax is on the is on the torch of the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And and like that's that's sort of another key thing with Hitchcock is his American films, especially they're very touristy. Uh, he, they really rely on a lot of familiar locations. They're usually very scenic locations. Uh, he he sort of remakes this movie with North by Northwest. Uh, like a decade later with Cary Grant and just much bigger stars and much bigger uh, set pieces. So like instead of the Statue of Liberty, you've got Mount Rushmore. Okay. Like it's not a one-to-one, but you know, yeah. he, he did a lot of uh, wrongly accused man movies. That that was like his bread and butter is like, and, and a part of his anxiety about police. It's just like, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there wrongly accused. <laughs> There sure are. Um, yeah. And the police don't care. They just want to close the case. They don't care if they got the right guy. They just want to get a guy. Yeah. Uh, and and Hitchcock was pretty savvy to that. And that, that was sort of uh, a real driving force of a lot of his plots. And certainly that's the driving force of this one. Uh, so uh, great credit sequence on this. Oh yeah, the the silhouette of like the the side of the factory or the the garage door or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a big corrugated steel wall of like a, a huge aircraft factory, and just the credits projected on it, like saboteur in like a sort of cursive font, like Alfred Hitchcock's saboteur, notably. Mm-hmm. Very... The silhouette of a man with a trench coat and hat walking towards the screen. Not Hitchcock right. himself, or at least not no. the famous Hitchcock silhouette thing. Uh, definitely not him. He was never uh, this slim as a, ah. as a director, but uh, it's a silhouette of a man. You know, he's in a trench coat and he's coming from the bottom right and he walks toward the center of the screen all throughout the credits, which is kind of cool. Really cool. Um, actually, excellent use of black and white uh, um, in in this. Like, mm. I, I know I've talked about it before, how like if you're doing something in black and white, you've just got to film the whole thing differently than if you were doing it in color. Otherwise right. it'll look bad. It's I think the problem I had with the first camera. Right. It was yeah. a problem I had with something that we talked about. I couldn't remember what now, but um, no, th- this doesn't have that problem at all. Yeah, no, like I've definitely encountered that a few times as well. Uh, where, where stuff is like, I, I think I had one or maybe it's one that we watched where it was, shot in color but it like felt like it was composed for black and white and just the color didn't look right or something i don't know um, looked really muddy yeah it'll something come back like to me it will not come back to me but <laughs> but yeah he, uh, hitchcock used contrast really well mm-hmm. and just a, you know big set pieces like the the corrugated steel the the black writing the silhouette uh it, just big iconic images uh, yeah and how it starts off with like um, just like the dark, pure dark outside the factory as the door just opens. Pardon me. And all these people coming through. Right. It's a shift change at the yeah. aircraft factory. So I, we, we meet three key people right away. Uh, there's there's these two guys who collide because one of them's looking at a cute girl. And of course. 
the the one guy's very put off about it. He he drops a bunch of letters and a hundred dollar bill, and he kind of just vanishes. So the 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 first guy and his buddy are like, what was that shit? Uh, but the the third guy uh, saw Fry on the letter address, and they I find him. Hoped, I had hoped his name was going to be Philip K. Fry, but it's not. It's Frank Fry. Frank Probably Fry. a fake name anyway, but. Probably, although I don't know, it it kind of uh, never comes up. He does come. He does. Answer he does to that sign name a, later. Yeah, and he does sign a letter as Frank as well. Uh, but and and they don't know the name at at the factory. Like this this is the name on his personal letter, but not right, something. Right, right. <laughs> because he doesn't belong here. No, he doesn't. He really doesn't belong here, as we're going to find out. But mm-hmm. these guys, uh, the other guys. What was it? Barry Kane or Bobby Barry Kane? Kane. Or not Bobby Kane, that's who invented Batman. Barry Kane is, uh, yeah, Bob Kane is the the guy who created Batman. Uh, Barry Kane is our hero. And uh, the other guy is his friend Ken Mason, I believe. Ken Mason. I think it's something like that, yeah. Yeah, I have it here. Ken Mason. Uh, So uh, they're, you know, they're regular chummy guys, you know. It's like, oh, well, we'll we'll find that guy and we'll return this $100 bill. You know, those are good chaps, you know? I love the, I love the, uh, the, how they comment. They're like, that's what one looks like. <laughs> right. This is 1942. People don't have hundred dollar bills just sitting in their wallets. Right. Um, not, not something people are kicking around, especially if you're working in a factory in World War II. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. like the, they do talk about the price of some things, like a really fancy high end expensive Something or other is like $45. Right. So, yeah, $100 is some serious money. So good on these guys to get it back to the guy. But that's a uh, – I'm going to keep doing it. That's Barry Kane for you. He's a good old American hero, I guess, but we don't know that yet. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's sort of the thing with this guy is and, – and sort of all of the characters. They're types. The, these are not like – uh deeply drawn characters they're just like he is hero guy like he is a good guy who is obviously the protagonist he is just the wronged man on the run yeah yeah um Uh, not even down on his luck or anything he just no yeah (laughs) wrong place wrong time uh and uh, the the way it starts is so beautiful because it it starts from outside. You just have yes. the corrugated steel wall again, and you just have that billowing plume of black smoke and the alarm starting to sound. And it's like, oh, shit. Everybody kind of jumps into action everywhere. Yep. Um, turns out the whole factory is on fire, and there only seems to be one fire extinguisher. So uh, so Kane grabs it, and his buddy Mason's like, or no, no, Fry passes it to Kane. This is important. Mm-hmm. Fry passes uh, it to Kane, and Kane passes it to Ken. To Ken, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, this shot. Oof. Ken, ooh. So this is another one of those shots that's just going to stay with me forever. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a fire shot, uh, but you don't see the usual thing of, like, the horrible damage or the burn victim face or anything like that. It's just a screen full of fire and just this tiny little black silhouette in the center of it with a fire extinguisher just falls over, and then the flames are... And the flames just consume him. Consume him, and that's, 
that's it. Yeah, he, he's just gone. Uh, he is gone. And, oh, man. And, and it's like, it's, it's amazing it's very cool how just, small he is. And, ah, and the so way good. the way the flames build up, because like first there's just sort of a row of flames in front of him and sort of a little bit behind him and sort of around him. But like as he starts to like move with the flamethrower, they all are the the, the <laughs> fire extinguisher, the uh, fire quote unquote, spreader. Yeah, as, as it turns out, we'll, we'll soon find. But uh, you, you just see the flames get higher and higher very suddenly. And we don't really know why that is at first. We, you know, when, when you're watching it initially, it's kind of the assumption like, oh, I guess he was not able to use it quickly enough. But no, no, yeah. he was using it. <laughs> you know, I, th- I wonder if this was before fire extinguishers had to have regular inspections. Very likely. Yeah. I mean, it would have <laughs> Because uh, that that kind of thing wouldn't what happens here wouldn't or shouldn't uh, ever well, be able to happen today. Well, we feel that th- th- this would have like been brought from outside. Like th- this was brought in. Oh yeah, right, with. right, yeah. Uh, yeah but like have tampered with it in the factory. I don't. No, think. I don't think so. And and we cut to a witness, just some guy with both hands burned, and he's talking to the management of the factory. And he saw two guys, uh, the one with the extinguisher and the one who passed it to him, which is Barry Kane and Ken. So he didn't see Fry in all of this. Yeah. And they bring Barry Kane in for questioning. And he's like, yeah, I I did give the extinguisher to Ken. He was my best friend. Uh, And but there is this guy Fry who is with us. They're like, all right, we'll we'll look into this guy Fry. Yeah, so actually it's Barry who calls for Fry, but we never see Fry go in for questioning because Barry gets distracted by someone is talking to him about something anyway. Oh, no, his well, buddies are talking to him about Fry's uh, just not hens. there. Yeah. Like they, they they don't know where Fry is. Like no one's heard of him. And like he, he doesn't really know that yet. But like he tells them about this Fry guy and they're like, huh, Fry, I mean – I guess we'll figure that out, but he's just not there. He's not a guy that they know that anyone knows of or who is present. So he leaves and he goes to see Ken's mother because, you know, he's best friends with him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And see if he can console her or if she needs anything. Mm hmm. And she she tells him that they wouldn't let her see the body. And a neighbor shows up in the kitchen and he's like. I'm going to go get some brandy for you, you know, uh, to to help you kind of cool down. And while he's out, two cops show up looking for him. Yeah, now they uh, – it didn't take long for Kane to become the main suspect. They – is this where we find out about the extinguisher? Yeah, they're, they're like, we're looking for Barry Kane. He was involved in the fire. Yeah. And they, they let slip. The extinguisher was filled with gasoline. As it turns out. So that's why it spreads so fast all of a sudden. He was using it. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. The, the way he was using it would definitely make everything just light on fire. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, Ken or Barry shows back up with the brandy when and the detectives have left already. She immediately tells him about them like she knows he didn't do it. Like, yeah. obviously, he didn't do it. He He's this guy that she grew up or he, he grew up. He's the good under, guy. Yeah, he's the good guy. And he's been best friends with her kids since they were kids. Yeah. And 
They also mentioned to her that there was no man named Fry. Like, doesn't even work. There's no guy named Fry who even works there. Yep. Doesn't exist as far as anyone else knows. And so Barry's like, well, I guess I got to fry find this guy Fry. So it's time to go on the run. Yep. Uh, and so he's he first starts out hitching a ride with this really talky trucker. I like this I guy a lot. I love this trucker. <laughs> yeah. He's very cheerful. I love he's like, ah, oh, man, you must not have a care in the world. And it goes to his <laughs> face. He's got he's got this thousand yard stare going on. Yeah. On the uh, run. You got having, nothing on your mind. <laughs> having just watched his friend die the day before and he's on the run from the police. Yeah. Uh, they, they notably pass a billboard that says you're being followed <laughs> by cars that don't use Comet. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the, the the billboard model on that will later become one of our main characters. Yes. <laughs> and the billboards are going to show up from time to time, too. Yeah, they sort of provide comic punctuation throughout the movie. The, you know, when someone's like in a situation, they'll pass a billboard that will sort of comment on it in some way. Yeah, something like, uh, oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was funerals for $45. Funeral. Yeah, funerals for $45. That is one yeah. of them later on. So, yeah. so, yeah, $100 is serious money. Yeah. Uh, so the, the trucker, is he's just like this super friendly guy. He kind of wants to know what he's about. But he's like, you know, I'll drop you off right at whatever ranch in Springville you're headed for. Because we, we have a flashback and more clearly see the whole envelope. So... It's Frank Fry at Deep Springs Ranch in Springville. But there's, a, what is it, cop on the road? So first they're pulled over by a motorcycle cop. And, like, the trucker's just super jazzed about it. He's like, oh, man, I love to talk to the police. I'm so bored here on the open road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get, get some gossip. This is the best. Uh, but it turns out to just be he has a tail light out. And, like, he's not even looking for Barry or anything. And like Barry has meanwhile snuck out of the car and is like starting to walk away like subtly. And he's like, Hey, what's hey, going get on back in here? I'm not done giving you a lift. Yeah. It's like, Hey, come on. What's going on? So he gets back on and they drive away. And then the cop receives a bulletin about Barry. <laughs> this is like yep. last scene on highway 99. And we, we scroll up to see that they're on highway 395. So he's kind of lost them for a bit. For a bit. Uh, not long. He, I no, mean, not long. He, he's going to run into people who are going to report him very, very quickly because he's got. Oh, yes. there, there are bad guys out there. Oh, are there ever? <laughs> <laughs> so he gets to the ranch, and he asks about Fry at the front, and they're like, uh, "We don't really know anyone named Fry here, uh, but you could talk to Mister Tobin, the ranch owner." Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Tobin. Um, Our main bad guy. I think he's, yeah, I think he's the one in charge of the conspiracy. At least in charge or of this he, this level. This, like, he's yeah. sort of, yeah, he, he's the guy calling the shots through uh, this segment, the, this uh, this fifth columnist group, I guess. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> at first, he's playing really close to the chest. Like, he, he, he plays really friendly at first. Yeah, and then he gets he gets called away for something for a little bit. Well, he doesn't get called away. He uh, or Barry asks him about Fry, and he's like, "No, I don't think I know the name. I mean, maybe I vaguely recognize it." And 
I'll, you know what? I'll go call my neighbor about it. That's what it was. Yes, yes. And I figure he's probably calling the police. Oh, he's definitely calling the cops right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Barry is left to look after the grant, the three little toddler granddaughter who is very adorable. Very adorable. Um, they play ball a little bit, and then for some reason, the the granddaughter just reaches into Tobin's uh, coat and tosses all this mail at Barry. Just tosses it all on the ground. And it's all fry mail. Right. Well, the the top thing is a telegram from uh, – it, it doesn't say fry, but it says Frank. Uh, and it's, it says, all finished here, joining Nielsen in Soda City. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so he sees that. He's like, okay. He's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> little girl, maybe you better put that back. It's not nice to look through someone's mail. And right then Tobin comes back. He's like – no, it isn't. Yeah, I don't... see that the gentleman understands the importance of respecting the privacy of the mail. No, he says, the man knows that you must be very careful with letters that don't belong to you. Right, that's what it uh, is, yes. Be- because very notably, he had handled another letter from, or to Frank Fry, and uh, it sort of got him in this soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, well, do you know where Fry went? Oh, you must have a really bad memory. You just read it on the mail. Yeah, I mean, did you did you not see it on that telegram from him just now? Uh, And then the radio kind of miraculously starts up and it's a thing about Barry because, you know, of course, it is one of those things. Right. That's what that's what that's the only thing radio news does in TV shows. It just talks about whatever is happening and it turns itself on. Because, yeah, it just kind of turns itself on there. Like, maybe there was music before that, but it was kind of like in the deep background. And it's like, OK, let's bring it up and turn it loud. And like, oh, the fire, the factory fire was a sabotage. Barry Kane is the prime suspect. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, that's not good. And Tobin's like, I've sent for police. Uh, and Barry's like, you can't get away with covering up for Fry. But the <laughs> maid has a gun, so... <laughs> and Tobin's basically what's like the whole time like what are you talking about I I I automatically get away with everything I have money yeah I I I own the police what what are you talking about the the police are coming to take care of you uh, and uh, I'm just gonna hang out here so uh, Barry picks up the toddler just because you know they they're not gonna shoot him if he's holding the toddler and yeah. then he he gets out of view and steals a horse <laughs> I, I love though the way that he gently puts the toddler down just yeah. like, around the corner. Because he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he gets a horse, and then we're in a Western for, like, two minutes. Yeah, it's kind of great. He's he's being chased by a bunch of uh, horseback riders. He gets lassoed right off of the horse, which was yep. pretty cool. Good stunt. Yep, yep. And he gets arrested, and that's the end of the Western section of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that. We're, but, hey, we, we had a Western bit. Mm-hmm. And he's later like, we'll have like a circus bit. Well, we'll you know, you get a lot yeah. of flavors in this one. Yeah. So he's all like, well, you guys can't do this. I'm innocent. And the cops are like, don't tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to follow any rules. Because, again, the cops are never really good in I'm this. I'm a cop. I am the rules. Yeah. I can't tell that you're. I, I can tell that you're a bad guy. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the rich guy said you are. So you must be. Yeah, like it's notable that every person he meets 
other than police are able to tell like well this guy's obviously not a guilty man (laughs) it's only the police who uh don't believe it uh so they're driving him to the county jail and they get stopped on a bridge behind a truck and it's our truck it's our guy yeah what luck it's it's the the friendly truck driver and he's changing his tire yeah, so so Barry asks the cop for a cigarette, mm-hmm. and the cop's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he uses the distraction to, like, I don't know, kind of shoulder check him and get out of the car. And then he jumps off the bridge. Real bad thing to do when you're in handcuffs. Holy. Yeah, geez. I mean, like, he, he manages. He, he, he like, manages. jumps into this river, uh, and he, like, swims behind some rocks. And he gets dodging the hidden. cop. Well, like he knocks a cop in the water, which is really funny. Yep. And the truck driver is like up at the top watching the whole thing with just like a huge grin. He's having a great time. Oh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> uh, look at you go, Mary Kane. You can do it. I'm rooting for you. In fact, I'm going to help you because like he watches the cop get knocked into the water and start floating downstream. And he goes and is like, look, look, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> And like gives Barry a signal. He's like, so so Barry can get away. It's great. I'm just yeah. random friendly truck driver who's a good soul who knows he's innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting to know they also like when they're driving in the truck have a little conversation about truck fire extinguishers. Like you mm-hmm. never want to be without one of these. Right. I, I like I, I think he said something about uh, I heard about a, a guy who or was a guy recently who just uh, burnt straight up. And like, That's a bad way to go. And there's uh, like he uh-huh. was fried. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, of course, he gets to. This cabin, this uh, in pouring rain, he finds this cabin in the woods and it, it seems cabin. like a Oh, very nice. And it, it kind of seems like it's a setup for a horror movie or or what it most reminds me of really is uh, the original or no Bride of Frankenstein, where Frankenstein finds the, the cabin with the blind man and makes friends with him. Oh, OK. It's kind of the same thing. Well, the actually, it's funny because the um, when he jumps off the bridge kind of reminded me of the fugitive or mm. more specifically the Simpsons take of the fugitive that I remember much more clearly. That's fair. I didn't do anything. I don't, I don't care. care. Uh, so the the kindly owner of the cabin invites him in. He's he's this blind guy named Philip Martin who plays piano. Uh, and while he's playing piano, uh, uh, Barry snags an apple and starts eating it because he has been running from the police for a while and he is hungry. <laughs> and Philip's like, oh, God, I'm so rude. I didn't get, offer you anything to eat. Well. Hope you enjoyed that apple. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can hear an apple being eaten very easily. Uh, and piano? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, this guy. Maybe. Oh, this guy. Yeah, I mean, he. Th- this guy's like daredevil blind. Yes. Uh, and they're they're about to sit down for dinner when two cars arrive, uh, and it's Philip's niece and the police. But the police are not coming in yet. Yeah. Uh, the. The, the niece, Patricia, is our billboard model. Mm-hmm. And our second main character. Mm-hmm. Because she, she arrives and like, the police are looking for this escaped man. And I, Phillip's like, 
Yeah, the police are always on the alarmist side. How could they be <laughs> heroes if he was harmless? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. It's like, yeah, when we know that they were, we know that these black people were sleeping when we shot them. But what if they weren't? They could have woken up and they pulled out their guns for their pillow and shot us. Yeah, so I we're mean, heroes, right? We didn't try the door, but I mean, it was probably locked. Is probably locked. So Philip goes on like, look, the police are boring. They're predictable. I don't even want to talk about the police. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) I I love Philip. He's just like the police. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah, I don't even know. Fornicate the police. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, listen, let's talk about my niece. She's very famous. She's a beautiful billboard model. You've probably seen her. And Philip. Or not Philip, uh, uh, Barry drops some cutlery and Patricia sees the handcuffs. And she's like, oh, you've seen the handcuffs. Well, <laughs> look, don't worry about it. Philip is like, I've been aware of them since he came in. But don't worry, he's not a guilty man. I can tell. <laughs> I can see. I can't. Yeah. I might not be able to see, but I can see innocence. Yeah, I can see certain things. Uh, and he's like, just just take this guy down to Tim the blacksmith. We'll we'll get those handcuffs removed for him. I love that they're like that. This is at such a point in time where you can drive down to the blacksmith. Yeah, that is kind of like an interesting overlap of periods because it does feel really old timey to go to a blacksmith for this. Like but, even yeah, even more old timey than this. Like blacksmith to me is still yeah like medieval shit. Yeah, I mean but like, it's like the blacksmith was still definitely a major local of major local importance into the 19th century, but the 20th century and like world war two, it does seem unusual. Well, it's like that. Um, there's like a 20 year window where mm-hmm. all the different things existed at once. So it was possible for a samurai in Japan to send a fax through a fax machine to Abraham Lincoln. Cause mm-hmm. all these things existed at the same time, even though you never think about it that way. Yeah, because, like, the samurai lasted a pretty long time. There, oh, Tom Cruise long. was one of them, remember? He was the last one. <laughs> he was the last one. That's there a aren't any more. I don't like that movie. Have you ever seen it? Uh, I saw it, but all I remember about it is white guys save Japan from themselves. I mean, like, it was a little better than that, but I, I feel like the worst part of it for me was Tom Cruise acting drunk, which is, like, the one thing he really can't do. I don't think he's a bad actor, but, like, I, I think he's usually pretty great, uh, especially just action. You know, he is the perfect action star, but, like, he cannot do drunk acting. Like, he he just seems ridiculous. It's the worst. <laughs> um, I... I, I can't remember uh, if I've ever seen him drunk. Well, I mean, well, I must in, have seen the you, movie. You've seen Last Samurai, yeah. I don't I, remember how it goes. <laughs> it stuck with me as that being, like, the thing that annoyed me the most. And I have not rewatched it since I saw it in theater, whenever that was. It's like 2002 or something. It's old. Uh, something like that, yeah. It's around yeah. that era. But, like, yeah, so uh, Patricia and and uh, Barry get in the car and they're they're kind of just chatting she she seems like she's pretty cool and it's like i'd like to take a closer look at those can you uh, bring those cuffs over here yeah so she she loops his arms and cuffs around the steering wheel so that he can't uh, get away as easily yeah and, he's, he's like, like, and she's like we passed the blacksmith we're not going there i'm taking you to the cops 
I right. think my uncle doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, and like, listen, if it were just some basic crime, you know, uh, if if it were theft or something like that, yeah, I like could deal stealing with that. food if if you were starving. But sabotage is like the worst crime there is. It's the most un-American thing. Yeah, she's like, it's worse than murder. Well, so he, I mean, <laughs> murder, I mean, yeah, it, murder it, it, happens it is murder within the sabotage. Yeah, I mean, a murder is involved in it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I would say so. It's <laughs> it is quantifiably worse than murder because it's murder and an arson. Yeah, and it's also giving more power to the Nazis because that's who they're fighting at the time. Pretty noble cause. Yeah, fighting Nazis is a very good thing to do. Yeah. Always fight Nazis. Right. So he pulls the wheel and takes them off onto this long, deserted road. Uh, and she gets out and she's like, I'm going to plan. I'm going to flag down the first car I see. And they're going to take us to the police. Screw you. Uh, and he very cleverly finds a way to break the cuffs. I'm just watching that scene like, oh, my God, dude, you're going to lose your hands. You're going to destroy oh, yeah. the fan, uh, the belt. You can't you can't cut it with the belt. You're you are going to ruin this car. Like the best case scenario is you're going to ruin this car, but you're probably going to lose your hands. And he, it, it, that, that is what happens, but like they, they are able to go a little bit first. So like he, he revs up the engine high, opens up the hood. And first he tries to use the fan blade to cut the cuffs, which doesn't work. Yeah. And, and, in, and meanwhile, she's trying to flag people down and, at least one truck passes by. I'm just like, at this time, someone who looks like who's going to drive by, who's just who's not going to stop. I'd stop. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it's sort of in in a weird era because, like, this is before hitchhiking was considered a dangerous option. Like that that wasn't even dangerous for another fifteen or twenty years. So, like, it is sort of weird that nobody's going to stop. And like, one car passes and just does not stop at all. So he moves to the fan belt, and She's he like does manage to break super it. Bottle. Oh, I know, yeah. And they <laughs> they would have been passing her on the road, but like, uh, the 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 fan belt breaks the the cuffs, or not the cuffs, but like the links, uh, yeah, and it like link. whizzes past his head, and like, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's another car arriving right when he does that, but like he hustles her into the car again and they drive off and very weird statement by the, the, the couple driving. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, they must be so in love. It's like, guys, yeah. you should be thinking how you witnessed a kidnapping right now. Yeah. It, it's kind of a kid or it looks like a kidnapping and it's like, Oh, they must be terribly in love. It's a elderly couple. And then we yeah. cut to police finding the broken down car. And it's like, it seems like the fan's broken. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I really like that that does happen. Like immediately there's like, well, you know, that's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not something you can do. If you use your fan belt to break some cuffs, that fan belt is not going to stick around. <laughs> Everything about that plan was just pure protagonist luck. Yeah, yeah. Which and this like, guy has in spades. Oh, because he is a pure protagonist. Right, like, he's he's like they're, they're, a modern or a slightly – he's a more modern Harold Lloyd in that regard. Yeah. Things will work out for him eventually. Well, not only that, he also ha – he is pure. Like he, he – 
he is completely non-gray. Uh, everything about him, he is an, an extremely good guy. He always treats people fairly. He is doing a bunch of heroic stuff, even though yes. he is being bullied by the police and all uh, of this. He never has an ulterior motive of like, well, he, he does try to to make out with the girl once, but it's more like, a well, I thought you'd be offended if I didn't try. Yeah. And like, he's always totally honest with everyone, even when yeah. it's not great for him. Like the only people he ever lies to is when he gets in with the bad guys for a little bit. Yeah. And he knows they're the bad guys. Yeah. And he's even there. He's pretty subtle about it. Well, he so, lies like, about his name to the blind man, but well, yeah, I mean, he kind of got to. Yeah. And and so like, yeah, we, we cut to them complaining about the cold. And this is where he's like, well, we could cuddle up. He's like, I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know, I had to try. Yeah. And she's like, you look like a saboteur. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I look like a saboteur? Uh, but like there, there's this very slow moving truck convoy of a circus. Woo! Circus convoy. Circus trucks. It's going past. She tries to yell for help. And he's like, well, watch out for snakes. And he hops up on the last <laughs> truck and is like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, he like does this whole thing like there's all there's a bunch of snakes here. Only five of them are poisonous, but the rest are all wiggly, creepy, crawly. Ah, he'll be fine, though. You'll probably be OK. Uh, and he's like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll help you up here if you say you're with me. And she finally agrees, like, OK, I'm with you. And he helps her get on the train. Yeah. And they, they make quite a commotion trying to hop on the end of a truck, which is just never a good idea. It draws a crowd. <laughs> Fortunately, this crowd is mostly on his side. There's like half. A, I, a, I would say a uh, solid yes, it half. Is actually half. You're right, because they have to have a, like a tie breaking vote. Right. So we, we have our first three are the dwarf major, uh, the bearded lady Esmeralda and the human skeleton bones, of course. Now, all human skeletons are human skeletons. Yeah, but like he's really, really skinny. That That's sort of how they, they do. Yes, he he's like just normal to me. But all right. yeah, this guy's not like the most bony human skeleton I've seen. But maybe it would be more notable if he had like the shirt off and stuff. Oh, maybe. But like, you know, he, he's sort of like the elderly gentleman who runs this car and everybody else are sort of deferential to him in certain ways. Well, Major kind of acts like he's the one in charge. Well, Major is... But that's he, kind of his, guy, his character. Right, yeah. Small person syndrome, right? Small potatoes. Small potatoes. Uh, and, and you've also got Titania, the fat lady. And there are Siamese twins, whose names I did not get. Uh, and yeah, the, the Siamese twins are, are opposed to each other. One of them likes Barry and one of them doesn't. <laughs> they disagree on everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you cheated on me with this, or you cheated on... Or my husband cheated on me with you. And it's like, no, he didn't. It's sort of a weird thing because, like, it it, it really shouldn't be a tiebreaker. I think Titania is ultimately voting against him, but she's conflicted about it, too, because she doesn't really care. She's just like, yeah. yeah. And, like, between the two Siamese twins, you know, it, it does seem like they're sort of heavily... Uh, on in their favor but like everyone's like listen you you spend the night 
Only the dwarf is upset about it at first. Mm-hmm. But then police sirens, of course, follow them. Uh, and Barry's immediately like, okay, listen, I am the one they're after. <laughs> here here are the, the cuffs I broke. And check this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they all vote. Yeah, whether or not they're going to keep him safe or turn him in. Right. And ultimately, it's Esmeralda gets the deciding vote. Right. And she says, well, anyone who has this beautiful woman sticking with him through all this must be a good person. Yeah, and she is kind of with him now. Uh, She she genuinely is now on his side. Uh, I'm not really sure why there was the change of heart. Maybe it's just that she's seeing she's being a cop because, like, everybody but the cops believes him other than her. Well, like, yeah, he even says to her, it's like, um, or, or maybe it's later on in somebody else, like, like, an American wouldn't do an evil thing like that. He's like, well, I'm an American. Why don't you believe that I won't do a thing like that? And that's, and that's where she brings up that you look like a saboteur. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and but I guess since here she realizes that that was kind of bullshit. Right, exactly. And and she she does kind of look chastened when they're kind of arranging everything. And so they have her pose as a snake charmer. <laughs> I love it. The, the way the delivery of this, it's because <laughs> the cops come on. It's like, oh, yeah, no, this it's like she's too pretty to be in a circus. Oh, yeah, no, right. this is our snake charmer lady. She's sitting on a box of snakes right now. And the like, look on her face, she's like, she's <laughs> like, trying to keep a straight is, face. Like, this is exactly why I got on this on this uh, truck instead of, so I didn't I have to deal with snakes. snakes. This is not good. It shouldn't have uh, to be snakes always. And, like, meanwhile, they've also hidden Barry and Major in a bunk, so he would <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, yeah he would have given him up uh so like she's on his side now and like they're dropped off by the circus and they go to soda city heart of the bicarbonate belt like i love that line (laughs) that just made me laugh out loud like the heart (laughs) of the bicarbonate belt and this place is just it's nothing it's just it's burnt out husks yeah yeah there's there's nothing there it's a little bit abandoned (laughs) a little bit abandoned they they go into the first store and they're like hmm 1923 calendar (laughs) (laughs) covered i feel like soda city's been abandoned for longer than sodas existed yeah well i I mean it's been abandoned for 19 years by this point i guess that's not that long uh but i mean like in the middle of the desert you're gonna see a lot of wear and tear yeah uh, in um, 19 years and they hear a phone ringing in another room so it's like whoa that's weird and he he tries the doorknob and it's like well the doorknob's not dusty and it's locked so someone has been using this place despite how much abandoned everything else looks yeah so they break in through the back through a window mm-hmm. and uh this place is <laughs> this place is interesting it's like it's like half a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense and half a secret villain lair. Yeah, like it's clearly an abandoned area that they've kind of just got some stuff hidden in more than oh. anything. And like there, there's one important vantage point. Yes, uh, where like they cut like a completely circular hole in a wall. Mm-hmm. And they've got a, and they find a telescope that they once they put it to the hole in the wall, it 
Is that the Hoover Dam that they see, or is it just a dam? I think it might be just a dam because it's the the uh, it's probably the dam with the reservoir for L.A. Uh, I, I can't oh, remember yeah, what it's right, called, but like, it's been... the one in Chinatown or a pre or maybe a predecessor. Well, okay, yeah, that's that's definitely not the Hoover Dam. Then also, I don't because I, I wasn't sure if the Hoover Dam existed yet. Uh, if maybe Hoover did. Uh, Hoover did, but because Hoover was uh was president at the start of the Great Depression. That's why they called uh, all, all of the little shanty towns Hoovervilles. Wait, so hold on. J. Edgar Hoover was president or? No. Or is this a different Hoover? Different Ho- Herbert Hoover. Oh, so the Hoover Dam wasn't named after J. Edgar Hoover? I'm pretty sure it's named after Herbert. I believe. Oh, I could be wow. wrong. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Because it's a <laughs> weird person to name a dam after. Yeah, that is. And, uh, uh, and like not super well respected at, at different times. So, yeah, it seems like yeah. it would be weird. I, I believe it's named after Herbert Hoover. That makes a lot more sense. I I was today years old when I learned that it wasn't <laughs> named after J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, but yeah, so like uh, the, the telescope, it's very notably like they, they can tell very quickly that it's for the hole in the wall because there's a tripod at that yeah. height for it, too. Yeah. And it points they they pointed out and it's like huh there's this dam that's interesting and like the the phone the, the phone hung up when they tried to answer it so right nothing there they they look in the wood stove and there's a hidden radio in there which is cool yep and then a car shows up so they can't really investigate much further and we don't really find out anything about this radio or any of that it's just like oh cool it's just this weird little spy hideout yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's not, it's not a villain lair. It's a spy hideout. Mm-hmm. So these two guys show up. Uh, Pat hides and sort of sneaks away. Yeah. And uh, Barry's like, hey, I, I'm that guy who sabotaged the factory. Look, here's my picture in the paper. Authentic <laughs> Barry saboteur. Kane, Barry me. Kane. <laughs> uh, you got to help me. Uh, somehow the cops found out about this. Yeah, he's like. Look, Tobin sent me, uh, and uh, one of the guys is Nielsen, who uh, Fry was supposed to be meeting in Soda City. Yeah, so I think it's funny that these guys just, even though they should know Fry, they seem to just completely buy Barry's story that he's the one who did it. Well, this is sort of a thing with terrorist cells, is you'll usually have these sort of double blinds, so you may not meet the people who you're working with uh, uh, unless you necessarily well, have to. So it's sort of worth necessarily know what each one's working on too. Right. Right. But yeah, the one guy's like, why the hell did Tobin send them up here? That's crazy. Right. So there, there's Doc and Nielsen and Nielsen's pretty edgy. Uh, he, he doesn't like Doc. Doc is yeah. from back East. Back East. He's a, <laughs> He's got a hat and glasses, and he, he, he looks like he pushes pencils, whereas he does Nielsen look looks like, like a cowboy. That's true. And, you know, people from back east don't like to get their hands dirty. We got our hands plenty dirty with typewriter ink. Come on. <laughs> and stuff doesn't come off very easily. I actually yeah. don't know if it does or not, but I like to imagine oh, it, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. I've had typewriter ink. It's, it's a disaster. And, and Barry's like, look. I you need to take care of me. I I'm freaking out here, and he he tries to he kind of acts hysterical. He does, yeah, it's really fun. It's it's a lot of fun. He's like putting on the whole. They're after me, man. I don't know what to like. 
you know, the way that you would expect him to have been mm. acting the whole movie if he wasn't the hero. Yeah, it's pretty fun. He gets to kind of indulge it just to mess with the bad guys. And yeah. Doc is like, look, look, okay, okay, fine. I'll, I'll take you back east with me. <laughs> <laughs> we need to clear this place out anyways. Yeah. And Patricia sneaks away. So we, we see her meeting with the police. We don't really uh, get much of an idea of uh, what they're doing. It turns out that the police she's meeting with are corrupt and are in the pocket. Yeah, which you can basically assume that of every police in this movie. That's pretty much true. Uh, and but but they don't do anything about her here. It's just they also don't do anything about these guys. And she just sort of goes on her merry way at first. Yeah. And Doc and Barry go to visit the dam because uh, Doc has been working on this for a long time. And he's come to really admire it in a weird way. Uh-huh. So they, they mentioned that it supplies 75% of the water to Los Angeles. So right. that, that's so why I figured it has to be. Hoover Dam. Yeah, yeah, right. Major reservoir. Yeah. Uh, and, and Doc is talking about children. He's like, yeah, I have this very destructive two-year-old. Uh, and I wish he was a girl. I don't want the, I, I won't let my wife cut his hair because I want him to look like a girl. You know, I had beautiful golden curls as a child. And it's this whole weird <laughs> monologue that he has. And like, this is strange. <laughs> and Barry's just like, you should probably cut his hair. He's going to get bullied. Yeah. He's like, that's probably not going to work out great for him. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure about this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when they drive past the funeral billboard too oh yeah the funeral billboard funerals for 45 dollars with yep. her picture on it of course of course so we move to new york uh, or as our new location because and and they get there and quote unquote the office has already been found out by police so we have to go to this secondary location He's like, oh shit, we're we're already under fire when we arrive in New York. So they're they're all like the the bad guys are all starting to get squirrely because things are closing in on them. Well, the the lower level bad guys. The lower are. level guys, yeah. I mean, the the, the, ones the top level guys. The top are. Yeah, I mean, who's gonna do anything to those guys? <laughs> Nothing. They have the money. Right. Laws don't apply if you have money. So like they're heading to this. Society Ball at Mrs. Sutton's house. But, uh, like, as I love everything about off, this. Oh, yeah. So first, they're, they're being dropped off, and the driver's like, so we got that job in Brooklyn tomorrow. And Doc's like, shut up. <laughs> no, <laughs> this guy Stop. doesn't know about it. Don't you? Do you not get that we're a terrorist cell? Good Lord. <laughs> Are you trying to take notes in our criminal conspiracy? <laughs> so the Society Ball. Uh, uh. Uh, she, uh, Miss Sutton, Mrs. Sutton, she greets Doc. She knows him well. He's Mr. Freeman, but she's yep. not happy about him showing up here. Right. And not happy about bringing this random guy. Right. And then they're like, they they take him to an office and it's like, listen, we know about this Patricia who was in Soda City. Uh, let's ask about this girl. And so, like, who? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, she's right over there. And like, it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, there she is. She's here at this party. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, Barry's like a single bead of sweat, you know? Uh, 
And so like, yeah, she talked to the sheriff. He's our sheriff. So we we kind of put it together very quickly. Yeah. So so Perry like goes over and is talking to her, but he's like like there's a bookshelf behind them. Yeah, because so, she thinks he's a bad guy again. She's been reconvinced he's a bad guy somehow. Probably because she heard his acting. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. At, at the place when he was like freaking out. Yeah, because that's when like, she snuck away. Yeah, and when he was pretending that he really did do the thing. Right. And he's like standing up against a bookcase, and he's subtly pointing at the word "escape" on the spine of a book. But she is. <laughs> totally not getting oh, no, it at all <laughs> she is not catching on but you know who did catch on mr, mr. tobin, tobin. <laughs> oh barry i see you like reading well let me choose a book for you that i think you are very much going to enjoy and he dramatically pulls brings his finger like along the bookshelf and stops on a title that's called the death of a nobody and yeah, it's like, ah, here we go. <laughs> like, oh, that's so that was very good. good. That was great. And he's like, well, thanks to you, I'm on the run now, too, because <laughs> Pat went to her uncle and the uncle went to the police. So I have to leave the country, you jerks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was like, oh, well, I guess your next big sabotage thing is over. Oh, no, 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 no. We're still going to do it. Oh, yeah, like, no, no, don't, don't think to. about that. Yeah, no, uh, inactivity will end our cause. Uh, yeah. And and uh, Tobin, uh, like, finally, like, Freeman is just confused at all. And, like, Tobin's like, yeah, he's not with us. <laughs> like, he he's he's just some guy. But, like, we can't turn him over to the police anymore now. You, you've shown him everything. He's met all these dudes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have to leave the country i'm going to havana tomorrow yeah he's, he's talking about like how hard it is for like his, his men who were loyal to him and had to pay the price for their lo- loyalty but right. yeah and he's like but you think you have it bad i've got to go to havana now i have I to leave... want to go to havana i have to leave this country that i love so much that i can become a terrorist to destroy it uh and like barry and pat uh, a, a random guest wanders into this like drawing room scene <laughs> and they're like, man, wh- what's going on with these terrible caterers? And Barry and Pat are like, oh, yeah, we're sorry. We're the caterers here. We'll, we'll yeah, just yeah. get out of here right we're, now. <laughs> we're shit caterers. I'm sorry. sorry. I fucked up the catering. I'm going to go leave right now to fix the catering that I fucked up because I'm the caterer. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll we'll go get your caviar for you immediately. <laughs> just, like, sneak out past the guy. Like, just <laughs> run out. And Barry just immediately, he starts to try to tell all of these random guests about this saboteur ring being run by Mrs. Sutton. And they all look like him, look at him like there's something growing out of his head. <laughs> yeah, like, well, the first one's like, man, you're drunk. Yeah. And the second one's like, what are you even talking about? The third guy's like, yeah, yeah I, know. I know, Mr. Kane, <laughs> and it's hilarious to watch you try to warn people about it. I'm not even going to stop you. I'm just going to keep letting you do this because it's like, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're here for, you 
idiot we're all conspirators you jerk off <laughs> like oh okay so he and he and pat start just dancing and romancing is like well what are we gonna do <laughs> yeah and this is some, working yeah and someone's like hey can i cut into this dance i'm cutting into this dance he's like oh, oh okay and he he's left with the the other guy's dancer and he's talking to her for a bit and he's like you're a really nice dancer and she's very pleasant and <laughs> He, like, talks to her for a bit and it's like, hey, so who is that, uh, you know, who that, where'd that other guy go? And it's like, I don't know. Like, weren't you with him? It's like, no, we were just dancing for a second before he, uh, just you. But, uh, you know, it was nice dancing. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I got her kidnapped again. She, she's been made off with. Uh, and Barry, like, goes up to a microphone. It's like, I need everyone's attention. <laughs> and Mrs. Sutton's like, oh, my God, she's going to, he's going to ruin everything. But, like, he sees that one of the guys is, like, hiding in an alcove with a gun on him. So he's like, uh, 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 Mrs. Sutton is going to do an auction for one of the famous Sutton jewels. And she comes up there and is like, yes, that's what this is about. Not it's a like, criminal yeah, conspiracy. Sure. And they all start bidding and barry is taken back to tobin's office again and like okay we're just gonna corral you you need to talk to tobin again this is not working out for you <laughs> and th this is that really great bit with tobin talking about it's so modern republican it's like complete yeah. neoconservatives like well listen i just want a more profitable government and it happens that totalitarian is a more competent mode of government uh you know that's all it is. And I, I love Barry's line, like, we're not soft, we're strong. And Tobin's basically like, well, the, the difference between you and me is, well, I don't want to use this word, but you're all stupid. <laughs> you're all just really stupid. And I know that you think you should all be allowed to live the American dream. Well, my dream is to oppress all of you under my heel. And I think I should be allowed to do that, too. And I have more money, so my opinion matters more. And I want the money to be the thing. The money for the government. The government for the money. Yep. Uh, so, you know, these guys sort of won out ultimately. But at, at this point, the butler shows up and he knocks Kane out with a sap. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. and had to be stopped from doing it a third time. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's enough. We probably shouldn't kill him. He's unconscious. We've we've got things that we need to do still here. And so it turns out that tomorrow's plan in Brooklyn is to blow up this ship, which is being launched from the Brooklyn Navy Yard. The USS Alaska. Yeah. I should so, have looked up if this was a real ship because I actually it sounds like it could be. I'm not I don't sure. Know. The, the ship that you see at the end is a different one, but the USS Alaska may have been a real ship. I'm not sure. Hitchcock got in a little bit of trouble for some of this later, but I'll, I'll talk oh, really? about it when we get there. Oh, cool. At least okay. the the, uh, uh, the the military did not like some of the stuff he did in this. But mm, so interesting. Uh, uh, so we we find we we catch up with each of our our captives. A uh, Pat is in is hostage in this downtown high rise in Manhattan. Yep. And um, Barry is locked in a basement pantry in the Sutton house. And each of them has a pretty clever way of trying to escape. Or to, to like, alert people. Or to alert people, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, 
Barry sets off a fire alarm because, you know, he he finds, you know, a sprinkler system within the pantry and, you know, he, yeah. he lights some stuff and he gets out in the confusion. And, like, he immediately passes a, a, a news box and is like, ship launch at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And, like, oh, yep, that's that's going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the one. He's that's like, definitely it. Gets into a cab like, hey, we need to go there like as soon as we can. Yeah, and he's like, are you kidding me with this traffic? There's a huge boat launch that people are going to as an event. Do you yeah, want me to get you to it? And it's like, yeah, you know the traffic's going to be impossible. And it's like, yeah, well, we're going to just have to try, I guess. <laughs> get me to it. Also, get me to it faster than anyone else will get there. Because mm-hmm. I have to stop a thing. Yeah. All right. He's like, well, I, that's the job. And... Pat writes a note with lipstick on a desk blotter and drops it out the window as a uh, uh, saying like, I, I think she mentions about the launch and that she's being kept captive and she's to watch her cap- window. Yeah. Although it's really interesting. This piece of paper must have floated so far. Yeah. Cause we see the perspective shot from the guys who get it. And, and like, the far away window light. is far away. Yeah. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if you would have been able to see that actually. I mean, it's hard to say because like it, it's it's really high up, uh, so it, it floats a long way. But like it's also daytime, so it's it's kind of weird that they can see it that clearly that this light is yeah. going on and off. But yeah. we can see it, so I mean, it it I mean they, it's visible, they, but they do show it. Uh, but like first, it falls on this car on the on the top of a car roof. And there's like these five guys gathered outside the car listening to a report on the launch, but they don't notice it immediately. Yeah. Uh, Barry gets down to the Navy Yard and tries to warn military police. They're like, take me to the guy in charge. Uh, and they take him to the office and it's just empty. So he's like, fuck this. And he just starts running through the Navy Yard looking for someone. <laughs> yeah, doesn't he find like the press truck? At this point, he uh, he finds the American newsreel van, which That's is what it there. Is. Fry is. Oh, my God. Fry. <laughs> it's Fry. Remember him? Uh, he literally hasn't shown up past the first five minutes. Yeah. And suddenly like, holy shit, it's Fry. I didn't even recognize him at first. It was a, a little bit later when someone says Fry. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's Fry. Oh, my God. Uh, I recognize him immediately because he's he the does only have... blonde person who looks like a weasel. He's got a weaselly face. Uh, Norman Lloyd is kind of a classic actor. I think he may even still be alive. He's very oh, old. Yeah, he would have to be, yeah. I think he's in his hundreds. Uh, so he uh, Barry tackles him, uh, and they, they're fighting over the detonator because uh, at this very time, the USS Alaska is christened and launched. And they, and as uh, Doc had said earlier, the timing has to be at this exact moment or the plan just won't work. It won't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so so Barry's like got uh, Fry in like a chokehold or something trying to prevent him from getting to the button. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, he presses it. He pushes <laughs> it, though. He was, he was able explodes. to get Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they succeeded there. They win. Boat the bad guys get thing. it. They do it. Yeah, they do it. <laughs> they they fuck the boat. Yeah, they, this is what uh, the the military didn't like very much. And then there's another shot a little bit later that they really didn't. So like, oh, with the, the with it on its side, with the, the capsized boat, because that's a real one. Uh, oh. So 
they they drive the van back to 30 Rock. You know, they head to 30 Rockefeller Center. Yeah. Um, home of Saturday uh, Night Fry Live. Had, <laughs> Fry had got his whole his hands on a gun at this point. And right. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. And the the they take Barry in at gunpoint uh, to 30 Rock. But like they they're heading to the American newsreel office, which I guess they've infiltrated like that's their cover. Uh, but the office is full of police ready, ready to ambush them. <laughs> yeah, it's like like they open the door, see the police and close the door. Yeah, it's so good. They look and there's like just 10 officers all just standing around sitting on the, the desk and like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Fry escapes into Radio City Music Hall, another, you know, big tourist. Oh, yeah, spot. right. Where there's a gangster movie of some sort playing. Uh, so th- yeah. this is kind of a fun shootout because like there's gunfire in the movie oh, and the yeah. first few gunshots are covered by it. Yeah, he's he's like timing his shots so that so that it'll go. Uh, yeah, so that it'll line up with the gunfire. And, and this... it also kind of feels like like the movie is narrating what Fry is doing, sort of. Totally, yeah. And I, I really love this shot of Fry crossing in front of the screen with gun smoke just pouring yeah. out of the barrel. Just beautiful, beautiful shot. Uh, and one of the, the just random people in the theater accidentally gets shot uh, during, you know, th- these few volleys between him and I guess police, which is really dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So again, police are not the good guys in this. No, they aren't. Really ever. I, I I thought the guy fainted at first because the gunfire until the woman right. like screams that he's been shot. Yeah, and panic starts, of course. Yeah. Uh, but Barry is being arrested by the police, so he can't do anything about it because, like, it, at when you know they got to the American newsreel office, they just arrested him instead of. You know, doing anything. So Pat has to chase after Fry. Yeah. And she, uh, yeah, he gets in a cab. She gets in another cab and does the whole follow that cab thing. And where do they go? Statue of Liberty. But notably, when Fry is passing the harbor, you see the sideways ship just sideways in the channel. And this was real. With a big hole in it. Yeah. So this is the SS Normandy. Oh, so that is so. So that's a different ship with a hole. Yeah. So th- this actually happened in 1942 while they were making the movie. They just kind of oh. got lucky. Uh, they oh. were refitting <laughs> the SS Normandy in the New York Harbor, <laughs> and it capsized <laughs> oh, while they were shit. doing their refitting. So you know, he just quickly drove by, like with a newsreel <laughs> camera, and got a shot of it. Uh, just, you know, on the sly. And they were not happy that like, oh, you're you're making, you know, our, our, our war efforts seem potentially like you made it look like this was an actual. Yeah, uh, they, they were not happy about it. It was a big deal. <laughs> it does kind of imply that that ship was part of the conspiracy. Yeah. Without so, directly saying it. And I can understand why the military might be, quote unquote, up in arms. Yeah, they they didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. So they they get to the Statue of Liberty, or they they go on the ferry, and right. they, they get across. And they get to the, they get to the uh, I guess the head, the observation deck. Well, which... notably before oh. they go up, uh, Pat calls the FBI when she reaches the island. 
Oh, right. Yes. Uses one, uses a payphone, and the police uh, start heading there with Barry because they've got him under arrest, but they come to the statue with him. And then, yeah, up in the the head of the Statue of Liberty. Which is so – I've never been to the Statue of Liberty, but I thought it was going to be a lot bigger inside. Yeah, you know, honestly, it does look small compared to like – I guess – I'm trying to think of other movies that I've seen the Statue of Liberty in, like Ghostbusters 2 or X-Men, and I do feel like it seems bigger in both of those. I I don't know. I I really want to look this up because – It does seem small in the head. Yeah, like it feels like you could only fit maybe 10 people up there. But like knowing Hitchcock, he probably shot – some of it in there like you know oh, he probably. he is the touristy director he likes to shoot in real uh locations like real touristy locations like that but yeah i don't know it does I, seem a little small i agree yeah but, but but i don't know maybe maybe that's just how it is like maybe that's true i mean like i've been in the cn tower and that's way way bigger uh yeah. up at the top so that's kind of what I, I guess that's what I have in my mind as sort oh, of like comparative yeah. size. And I guess it wouldn't make sense for the Statue of Liberty to be the size of the CN Tower. Yeah, I don't know. But it, like I kind of thought it was like the Calgary Tower myself. Right. So. Yeah. So something like that, or like something the Space like Needle. That, yeah. I've been up the Space Needle, but of course the Space Needle is much wider at the top. So mm-hmm. that one doesn't like strike me with that. But yeah. So she approaches Fry in the head. Yeah. And she's like, why don't we uh, just wait around for the next ferry? You know, we'll be alone during that time while, while everybody else is on the ferry going back. There'd be, there'd be 15 minutes before the next one arrives. No, I gotta go. You don't have 15 minutes for me? He's like, well, he's like, no, I really no. do gotta go. And it's like, Mr. Fry. And he's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> uh, yep. she, she, she tips her hand a little bit too much. And he's like, Mr. Fry, huh? And he takes off. <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah. I think she did that intentionally. Oh, for sure. But, like, the, the police and Barry show up at about this time. And Barry chases Fry through the 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 statue. And he goes out onto the torch. Yep. Uh, now, this, this is another part where it's like, oh, I thought the torch was bigger, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the torch is really, actually really small. And I've heard you can't go up there anymore. Oh, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it would be uh, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. But they're up there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and Fry backs up and he just goes ass over tea kettle over the railing and is left hanging from the hand, from the, the, the crotch of the thumb and forefinger. Yep. And so... So uh, Barry uh, gets hops over the railing to try to save him while the, the rest of the cops come up. And another cop is like, tries to hop over and the cops are like, dude, what are you doing? We don't, we don't, don't do that. Three no, no. corpses, not yeah. two. Yeah. We'll, we'll go get a rope. Yeah. Uh, and Barry gets a hold of his sleeve, but the sleeve just slowly detaches from the coat. Yeah. Just <laughs> one stitch at a time. And, he, and Fry's like, I'll clear you. I swear, I'll clear you. Please just help me. I'm, I'm sorry for everything. I'll clear your name, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the, the whole sleeve gives way and he's he's falls screaming, Kane! And this is like, this is 
100% what uh, Die Hard was doing. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, they Die absolutely Hard, took it from this movie. Die Hard 100% was doing an homage to Saboteur. Because, like, this is yeah. such a famous shot, too. Well, this uh, is my first time seeing it, but I, of course, saw the Die Well, the only thing I know about mm, Die Hard is that right. Alan Rickman falls off the building. Right. But, yeah, it's it's great. You know, that's it. That's the end. That's the it. knee yeah, comes me. up on the screen. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's just, it it's, uh, like very slam bang kind of ending and that that sort of big set piece kind of thing yeah um great movie so much so fun good. yeah just a, a thrill ride which uh you know hitchcock especially in his american films tended to be you know uh you know coast to coast we you know we head from los angeles to new york we see a bunch of cool places we see a bunch of cool stunts like the cowboy thing and the jumping off the bridge and you meet just a lot of fun, like small characters, like all of the circus people, uh, the blind yeah. guy. They're, the there's all of, yeah, they're, and they're all kind of lovable, and they, they're all oh. sort of memorable in their weird type ways. Like they're all a type. Nobody's really a character. Uh, Tobin completely got away with it. Tobin 100%. got away with it. Yeah, he. I mean, they they blew up the ship, and he headed to Havana, and they didn't catch him. <laughs> they might have caught all the other guys, but whatever. He just needs him. Yeah, he'll find more guys. He'll stupid. easily find more guys because he has money. Yeah. And and like I I yeah the, the, that's sort of the big thing with this movie to me is that it does feel uh, ahead of its time. It feels modern in a lot of the ways that it does these things. That like yeah the bad guy kind of gets away. They do sort of win. They do succeed in their sabotage, and it's because they're sort of built into the system they've bought the police they have all of these protections in place for themselves they own the newspaper yeah so i i find that all really fascinating that you know in 1942 during world war ii when it was like just starting hitchcock was still like you do realize there are certain flaws at home too though like i'm totally in favor of this war and the nazis are the worst but your home Nazis are as bad and are doing the same stuff. You guys know that, right? <laughs> well, it's like uh, what you said in our group chat about the scene where he's like trying to convince all the people at the ball. It's like going to uh, going to like a right wing convention and being like, don't you understand? These people are Nazis. <laughs> it's like a yaw. <laughs> a, saying that to a guy with like a swastika tattoo on his face. I was like, oh, these people believe in QAnon conspiracies. And like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What else are we going to believe in? Yeah. So it, it's it's really interesting watching it from a modern perspective. Just the – like it, Tobin does kind of feel like the most rounded character in that way because like yeah. he's – he does feel very realistic in, in a troubling sense because he's – you know, he's kind of charming. He's got wit. He's elegant. But – he is a bad guy with a bunch of money and he is just a terrorist. Oh, but he loves his granddaughter. So he can't be all bad. <laughs> Who says that? Somebody says that about him. Yeah. Somewhere. And like, again, that's such a Hollywood thing that you would have someone who is like, Oh, but you know, he, he does have this love for this one person. And I feel like Hitchcock is totally not on board with that. And it's like, no, this oh, guy yeah. is a completely bad guy. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I love it. So your your first introduction to Hitchcock, pretty solid intro. I didn't 
expect there was going to be so much of like an action movie. Oh, he was kind of like the original action director. He was not very critically acclaimed until like the 70s. Oh. Uh, it, it, he was uh, he was acclaimed by French filmmakers and they sort of reclaimed him. And ultimately it sort of worked back. But like in Hollywood, he was sort of just seen as a popcorn director. You know, he was the Spielberg of his time. I see it. Yeah, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. see it. This feels like a Spielbergian movie a little bit. Oh, totally. You know, I, I would say that Spielberg probably was heavily inspired by Hedge. Oh, probably. So this is replaced in the stacks with the next film in the box, Shadow of a Doubt. Uh, this is another really great one. This has Joseph Cotton, who you'll remember from Citizen Kane. You know, he was the right-hand guy, the, okay. the guy who... Uh, gradually became bitter with uh kane over the course of the movie right right uh and like his his right hand man the the guy who wrote the uh the entertainment column for the paper Mm -hmm. so in this one he is playing a serial killer and uh he has just like he he's a killer he's like a lonely hearts killer he he shacks up with widows and gets their money and kills them oh and he's just done this and he's sort of like on the run and he goes to or he's not really on the run, but like he he goes and stays with his brother and his niece is sort of the main character of the movie. This uh, teenage girl and she like he's her beloved uncle, like she's so excited to see him and she really idolizes him. But she starts to see that something is going on with him and she starts to learn what's like she's the only one who knows what he really is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. It's a, you know, pretty cool movie. Right on. Interesting. Yeah. I'll definitely be checking out more Hitchcock. I, I can't believe I haven't seen anything of his. Oh yeah. And there are some like major, major classics upcoming that will be fun to dig into. All right. So any final thoughts on uh saboteur before we head to our second film? Yeah. Can't stand it. I know they planned it. Something, something, something to sabotage. It's, uh, uh, I can't remember. Something straight. This Watergate. I <laughs> never knew the lyrics. Yeah, uh, Watergate. Is, is, I'm going to set this straight to Watergate. <laughs> uh, listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. Uh, great song. Uh, and but Hitchcock does have a movie called Sabotage as well as Saboteur, right. of course. <laughs> All right, right we well, were saying, yeah. All right, uh, on to uh, second film, and we're back for our second part where we're talking about Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway, a 2019 film from director Miguel Lanzo, uh, the first Ethiopian film we've covered. So, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because a lot of this place, a lot of this movie takes place in a place called uh, Beta Ethiopia, but a lot of it mm-hmm. takes place in a unspecified location. <laughs> well, yeah, it's in a video. Well, the whole thing arguably takes place in a video game, but a lot of it takes place in like an unspecified CIA place. Right. It's just sort of like uh, a stronghold, and and I guess ultimately. Technically, it kind of all just takes place in like Southern California during a 
an MK Ultra test, basically. Or, or what is it? MIT, uh, the, right, the, the Massachusetts. MIT. Uh, Massachusetts, yeah, yeah that's Institute right. Institute of Technology. Um, right. In a man, MK Ultra type experiment that took place in 1994, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like this is sort of so this movie is very collagey. It, it uses a lot of different styles. It's pulling from a lot of different sources. And it's just sort of this kind of weird. Well, it, so this is Afrofuturist, notably. This is an Afrofuturist film. So it is set in the future. It is uh, sort of like like it is Afrocentric. So it is set in Ethiopia for the most part with like. Our main character being an agent of the CIA, but like in Ethiopia. An agent of the CIA in Ethiopia trying to combat the Soviet Union virus that is trying to take over all of um, Psycho uh, Psychobook, which is the Facebook metaverse as far as I can tell. But you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and like, I I love the psycho book sequences that are all uh, like the first few that you get before like everyone's kind of fully immersed in it, uh, or or before uh, our Gagano is living in it, uh, but it's all stop motion. Yeah, it, it's like real actors, but it's filmed in stop motion. It looks really, really cool. Yeah, and like they don't show their faces; they have like faces cut out of like like you know, a magazine picture of a face that's just, like, elastic around their head. It gives a cool effect of, like, um, if you've ever played the video game Goldeneye for the N64. Mm, yeah, exactly. It looks like just a flat drawing of the of the actors' faces on a, um, on a roughly head-shaped block. <laughs> I, I, that's absolutely what I was thinking of when I was watching them too. I was like, "Oh my god, it's Oromov." <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, our main bad guy here is Stalin? Question he is, mark. He's like a Stalin AI, which is interesting. And uh, man, just that he's... that opening shot or the the opening thing with the uh, the. The opening credits with the choose your player and it's Stalin versus Pope John Paul II. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, he goes through a few. It's Stalin a versus handful, Pope yeah. John Paul, uh, Stalin versus Reagan before they finally settle on Stalin versus Stalin. Right. Um, and match. this is and this is apparently uh, how the VR program works in this universe. Right. So like that that's sort of the weird thing is it's got all of these bizarre layers of reality because it's it's you know it's it's an inception-esque thing where there are many different layers of reality and dream and virtual reality and like, I'm not entirely convinced we ever get to the real world. Yeah, it's hard to say cuz um, it, it feels it, like we do at the end but then there's one shot well, and my my argument toward it still being a simulation is that it doesn't make sense that it would be the Soviet Union if it was 1995. If it were right. 85, I could buy it. But well, 95, the 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 wall had already crumbled, you know. Yeah. Like this is the the most like 
uh, easygoing period between these two countries in history. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like 95 is when they're on their best relations. Well, it might also take place in 2049, though, so it's hard right. to say. And that well, kind no, it, of feels, it, yeah. yeah, that that kind of feels maybe more accurate. And that, and but, that's why, like you know, that that's sort of where Eileen is that it is it takes place in the future and that they're still within a simulation of something else that we never get to the bottom of. Yeah, yeah, like all their technology in the future looks like '80s technology. Like, yes. Like the VR has like a coded, a corded, uh, coiled telephone cord going yeah. from the headset to the computer. Well, and it's got the all of these this 8-bit design stuff as well, and and yeah. like you have the 8-bit and bit pop music that fuels this soundtrack, which absolutely rules, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Always. not like as far as I know, completely unavailable outside of the movie. But I would oh. totally buy this. It is <laughs> such a great soundtrack. Just real pumping raging bit pop score i love it yeah so we start out uh, in i guess a vr lab where there's this i guess kid well he's not a kid he's one of their agents apparently uh something happened and fucked up the vr and they have to remove the headset and his eyes are like melted yeah just gone yeah uh but the kid's yeah. still alive yeah, so like the the VR that they're using is very dangerous yes. somehow. Uh, but it, uh, it is it's not supposed to be though is one of the mm-hmm. things like this isn't supposed to be able to hurt you at all. How is any of this possible? Is yeah, one of and, the first things I say. And this is the the result of the Stalin AI virus thing that is <laughs> attacking them that they don't yeah, know. Yeah, so <laughs> Yeah, so so then they call uh, the two agents who are – well, one is our main character and one is, I guess, kind of another antagonist maybe. It's uh, weird. Like he is mostly on his side. It's just he kind of ends up uh, – Dealing Stalin's drugs and fucking his wife. Yeah, and but not, like, <laughs> but not in like an antagonistic way. He just sort of ends up there and, and sort of dealing the drugs – is kind of a good thing ultimately in a weird way right the substance well yeah it is it's or although theoretically is able to get them out of this layer of reality but somebody does mention later on that the substance is actually an alien invasion from somewhere else and this is all the trick to get like to terraform the planet for the substances oh yeah uh, use but that doesn't get explored at all. Because that might be the layer of reality that never actually gets pulled out. Uh, and, and, and yeah, that, that's sort of the, the thing about this movie's weird layering is uh, I, I would assume that those insects that we see, the, the bug guys that we see through the movie are the aliens. Well, no, they seem to be people in a people in a mask or like in bug costumes who've lost their memory due to the AI. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But he knows but, about the aliens, though, so maybe... Well, yeah. we're getting way ahead of ourselves. There, yeah, there's, it's, 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 a, it's a mind trip. <laughs> it really well, is. And, and that's, that's what I think is fun about it, is that, like, with so the substance is, you know, it's sort of the, the thing that they take to uh, return them to reality. They're taking drugs to uh, return to reality from a fake one. 
message. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Taking psychedelics. I, I just found that really fun. Like, you know, they're, oh. they're oh, properly Jesus, yeah. connecting with reality by taking psychedelics. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've got our two agents. One is a small guy. Um, Gagano. Gagano, that's it. I yeah, just looking at later. <laughs> and the other one is Agent Parker, his uh, partner. Right. So Gagano, the guy who plays him, he is also the main character of uh, the other film by Lunso, uh, Miguel Lunso, um, Crumbs, which is uh, included as a bonus disc on this. Yeah, I saw that. I was. Uh, I might check that out later. It's really interesting. Uh, similar flavor, and it, it's uh, also, you know, set in the future with that guy. And it's just like him wandering around uh, post-apocalyptic or, you know, post-civilization uh, Ethiopia, I guess. Uh, and okay. he's just sort of collecting weird pop culture relics, and they're, like, treated as powerful weapons. Uh it's very interesting yeah and then there's like this giant uh spaceship hovering in the sky all the time and everyone's just trying to get passage on this ship to leave earth because civilization's just sort of over since it arrived i guess very interesting <laughs> movie I, I do recommend it cool cool yeah so our two agents get hooked to this vr machine where they're supposed to be uh here i'm not too sure what they're doing they, they're breaking into this house uh, so this is the first of the stop motiony sequences. Yes. Yeah, and with them with the weird faces that don't look like them either. Like they're not no. their faces. No, I think they they went into a character creator. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I think there is actually a character creator screen. Because uh, this this is also very video gamey. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, but every like, time someone's about to fight. Yeah, the, yeah, the round one. Round one. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, sort of pointing to it maybe being more uh, uh, retro tech that like the 1995 doesn't make sense for it to be Soviet Union because uh, it's 80s video gaming specifically. Mm-hmm. They're breaking into this house or trying to stop this other guy to break into this house. I'm not quite sure which. Because there's another person in this assignment, and we later find out it's our bad guy. It's actually Stalin, but he's not wearing the Stalin face right now. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think they're supposed to be rooting him out. He is a virus in their system already at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. They're trying to find out what the virus is or what it's doing. Yeah, like, it's it's never fully clear because reality is very ambiguous in this movie. It doesn't have, like, (laughs) a, a consistent through line. Yeah, but they've got like this weird little holographic butler who mm. can launch orbital strikes from a satellite. I love this sometimes. guy. You know, yeah, he he's just this little uh little tiny holographic projection that they can call up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, eventually they do do this to zap the bad guy with the laser from outer space while he's on top of a water tower. Yep. <laughs> and uh i guess i guess that's the end of that mission because we go to our main guy watching watching a kickboxing girl uh do kickboxing and we find out that this is his wife a very buxom kickboxer lady mm-hmm. uh who is like fully twice to three times his size 
Well, uh, he's a dwarf, but also he she's dwarf. not a small and, lady. Yeah, she's she's like built up. She's a kickboxer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, like but round, not, like not like yeah, yeah not curvy. like one of those like stick thin like um, kickboxing girls from yeah yeah. Like she looks like she could kick your ass, and she actually works as a bouncer. Hmm. And is this where we get the shower scene? <laughs> uh, pretty soon. I think here. it's very early on, and it's yeah, we, just such an image. We we get the yeah we get the shower scene, <laughs> uh, but he and like he's kissing her kneecap, but he's got to stop because he's got his back problems. Yeah, like he's kissing her kneecap, and like it's this weird sort of quasi-erotic scene. Like it seems like it's going to be this erotic scene, and then he like suddenly like his back gives out, and he's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like I, the the way reality comes crashing down on the scene in that moment is so funny. So yeah, he says to her, he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna resign from the CIA. Um, we can start your kickboxing studio." Yeah, and that's his whole thing. He's like, "Okay, I'm, this is too dangerous. I'm gonna resign from the CIA, but one last job. You gotta do the one last job. You gotta do the one last job." Well, because so, you need the money for the kickboxing. For the studio. kickboxing, yeah. Yeah. So, and also he's watching uh, 60s Batman on TV doing <laughs> cocaine or fighting cocaine people. I, I think it is supposed to be a political ad because he's the president. Right, because he's the president of he's, Beta Ethiopia. And so this seems kind of like I don't I don't know if for sure who it, this is in not, reference to. He's not Batman, he's Batfro, but he's dressed exactly right. like it is like he's an Adam West Batman. The costume. Adam West Batman yeah. costume with a pixel graphic over the bat signal. Yeah, it's just mosaic blurred the whole time, you know, just <laughs> for legal reasons. But yeah, he is he he just does a bunch of cocaine and then he like goes sick house on all of the drug dealers and that's like his thing he's tough on crime he's you know yeah he punches out like drug dealing freaks or whatever he has a line but, i can't remember yeah except he is also doing tons of drugs <laughs> yeah well he's also working with some, with some really bad people oh he is uh, well, a super is villain in this movie yes yeah. Bat- president batman Batfro is evil is evil mm-hmm. in this so i wrote down here it was like uh, the conversation between, I think, the commandant and someone else or something is mm. that the Soviet Union virus is uh, taking over Psychobook, which I have in brackets Facebook. <laughs> and Operation Jungle is like the final job, the, the last ditch attempt to stop them. Right. Where they are very much planning to uh, sacrifice the dwarf for yes. the good cop. Or the, I mean, the, the, more able-bodied cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like uh, they're uh, they they kind of just are very willing to sacrifice any of their people. Really, it's it's not yeah. even so much about saving the other guy. It's just that we're willing to sacrifice this guy. That'll work out. That's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, even though they're also pretending to be surprised that people can die in VR. So yeah, because <laughs> like it's but the not commandant even... is not on the up and up. He's working with Stalin. Yes. And the president of the United States. Was that Bush Sr.? Uh, I think it was, yeah. 
Yeah, who is also Stalin anyway. They're the same person. Right, which, no, so 95 would have been Clinton. 95 would have been the Clinton years, yes. But, but yeah, I think in this movie it is Bush, which again, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> but it's also not 95 here. It's like 2040-something. True, this. true. And it's a simulation. And part a, of it is. And some of it is, and a bunch of yeah. it is. <laughs> some of it is, but some of it also isn't. Or all of it is, but on different levels. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, they teleport uh, into the factory. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, they have to collect the substances, and the commandant's like, well, make sure the dwarf touches the substances, not you, because you don't want to get that shit on you. You'll die. Yeah, that, that stuff is, like, super dangerous. It'll take you outside of reality. Yeah, so they find it uh, right away, and Palmer, the other cop, uh, blinks a gas mask onto his face uh, oh yeah like he he can basically it, it's it's you know it's it's like he does a menu selection that we don't see and it just yeah. appears on his character's face again the video gamey stuff uh works really well in this yeah whereas Gagano's like i need a mask too i need one too and palmer's like okay uh, materialize a mask but you know it doesn't happen yeah uh, yeah it does just does not respond for it yeah, so uh, looks like Stalin. I, I guess Stalin captures Palmer somehow, and he uses the Soviet hammer because he Stalin, of course, his two main weapons are the he hammer. He has and the, the hammer sickle. and the sickle for real. Yeah, he yeah. is actually wielding them. Uh, I want to mention the substance looks really cool. Oh yeah, it's like it's like green jello, but like like not. fluorescent. It glows. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just a classic ooze. I like it a lot. You know, it, it sort of feels like the stuff that made the Ninja Turtles. Oh, you know, yes, it does. Yeah. It looks and feels a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what Stalin does is, like, when Palmer's trying to summon his little AI butler, he smashes it with his hammer and just shatters it. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. He <laughs> destroys the hologram. So he's basically blackmailing Palmer to sell these drugs because he's got a video of Palmer having sex with the commandant's wife mm-hmm. and, and how he shows it. Like Stalin's face is also a video projection screen. Yeah. <laughs> just it. Don't ask me to explain it. It just it works <laughs> visually. Yeah. It, it just doesn't work with words. Yeah. It's so cool looking. It really and, looks cool. I, I do love the inventiveness of this movie. It has a lot of stuff like that. Or it's just like, Oh yeah, cool. That looks so interesting. Uh, so many interesting design choices. Like again, the the stop motiony stuff for up to this point. I think this is the last of the really stop motiony sequences in Psycho, uh, right? I think so. Because from there, it's or uh, maybe Gagano. I just got used to it. Oh no, yeah, Gagano is like he's lost in the system, so he just is like it. It becomes sort of our base it, reality. Yeah, right, period. right. Yeah. Yeah, so we cut to uh, a strip club where the the wife Malin is working as a bouncer. Right. Uh, she punches out this one belligerent dude who's like throwing glass bottles at the dancer, uh, Captain Laguchi, who it is also apparently important later on. I believe so. Yeah. Well, she is, but I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the guy's like, come on, I can be as belligerent as I want. There's nobody else here. What are you going to do? And she just punch, lays him flat. Yeah. Don't mess with her. Yep. 
so she gets a phone call from Palmer about how uh, Gagano is trapped in the VR world, but he's in a coma in reality. Mm-hmm. So, and, like, yeah, he he is his his mind like he's believed to be brain dead. Yes. Their 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 understanding is that like his brain has died, but like pretty soon they are able to find him in the system, like him continuing to live on, and he's he keeps like, I'm alive. Can you just like put me back in my body? And they're like, No, no, no. no you're 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 just, definitely no. dead. This is just a memory of you. This like, is just no, like I'm the last me. bits of brain activity. <laughs> It's like, well, no, I can could... the last bits of brain activity happen in my brain? Yeah, couldn't we just try it out? It's like, no, no, no. no I think that would be nah. no. You're you're deluding yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of conversations with people like that that are like, I mean, I'm sure we could just try it, and they're like, yeah, but you're already dead. I don't think well, it's, so. just, it's, it's just too much effort. Yeah, n- no one is really willing to even give it any sort of try yeah so uh, when palmer is talking to the wife he, uh, he's like doing a really obvious not subtle and definitely not spontaneous attempt at kissing her and she just shoves him away like what the fuck are you doing yeah well like, i thought in the moment me. with the the it's like i'm fucking married you idiot yeah she loves uh gagano Yep, so um, Stalin takes Gagano onto an aircraft carrier out in the middle of God knows where. Right. Uh, where he makes a doppelganger. Um, okay, so how did, what does this happen? <laughs> he makes a doppelganger of Gagano while he has the actual Gagano avatar in a bed in the submarine or in the mm-hmm. aircraft carrier while actual Gagano is in another bed in the CIA thing with the VR stuff. So right. we're physical on, Gagano. Yeah. Which, and then we later find out like there's another Gagano on top of that. That's in a bed at MIT. Yeah. So we are about four VR worlds deep at this point. Right, yeah. Or four Gaganos deep into three VR worlds. At least. At least. At least, at least, yes. So, yeah, he gets dumped into uh, Beta Ethiopia. Right. uh, Where he orders... Yeah, he orders a pizza. We, uh, his whole thing is he wants to be... He wants to have his own pizzeria. Right, and he's very, very particular about pizza, and he, he, like, is sort of an expert... Uh, at cooking it like we, we've already run into it a few times by this point where like he's cooked pizza for uh the the wife and he like he's reading a coffee table book about pizza when we first meet him yeah and he he has dreams of being a pizza chef uh, yeah. but i i think he hasn't like discussed it as an aspiration yet no he hasn't because he just wants to support her kickboxing studio right, right now yeah yeah even though his heart's really in this pizza thing. Oh, clearly. Uh, and ultimately, maybe that's what he actually does in the 1995 reality is he I think has. That's what. Yeah, I think he's a pizza guy there. I think he runs like a pizza shop. Yeah. 
<laughs> and and at some point, like I think it's when he's talking to Jesus slash Roy that he he has this uh dream, like literal Oh yeah, it's he's like having beach. dreams of the beach. Yeah, it's like this pizza beachside truck. pizza truck. Yeah. Which man, that I'm into that. That would that, cool. that would rule. I, mm-hmm. That's a great idea. But yeah, he's at this bar. <laughs> he's at this bar watching uh, another Batman TV show, which yeah. I guess it is a political ad. I think so, because he is like there. He's referred to as president in this. And he's like, vote for Batfro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is so wild, because, yeah, it is him doing drugs and then killing drug dealers. <laughs> in the video. In the they're video. They're watching. In the campaign ad. <laughs> in the campaign ad. Then again. Uh, Donald Trump is tough on racists in his ad. Well, also uh, yeah. being racist in the ad. That's true. And yeah, I mean there there are certainly elements of that, and I there there is also possibility that this is referencing to uh, particular African politics that were well, that not, could like, be too. It, that yeah. are not as much in our sphere because this is an Ethiopian movie, and what it reminded me a lot of is uh, the Philippines with. Um, uh, Duterte. It, it oh. reminds me. Of, the, the, this guy, uh, President Batman, does have a Duterte uh, uh, flavor to him. Okay. Like I don't think Duterte has been referenced uh, as like taking drugs, but like he does have this sort of like I am going to kill all the people that I think are bad, and that's what got him elected. Mm. And he yes. did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's doing. Yeah, so Gargano is like saying to him, like, "Hey, you know the the oven's not heating up the bottom of the pizza properly. Right. I, let me just get, just give me the bill." Yeah, he's like, and, "I don't, I'm not going to eat this. This is not up to my standards." Yeah. So uh, he hands over the credit card, and the guy takes it into a back room, which I forgot. That's what happened in restaurants back in the day. You gave them your credit card, then they took it into a back room, and you were just supposed to be okay with that. Yeah, I feel like that hasn't been a thing since the eighties. Maybe not, but it. I do. Remember I, I do it was remember it. I absolutely remember it because, like, I, I it's never a thing that I had to do, but it's a thing I remember my parents doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in this uh, reality, you swipe a credit card oh, on yeah. a dude's tongue. Yeah, the uh, just a, a connected dude. You know, he's yep. a, he's he's got. Uh, uh, a barcode reading tongue. Yeah. Um, Gagano's plan is like, hey, this is a CIA card. As soon as I use this, they'll be able to track me and get me out of my shit here. Right. Um, and like the guy's eyes light up and he goes, <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Uh, yeah. And we cut to the, what we at this point still believe is the real world where uh, his wife is over his body on the VR thing, like dropping eyedroppers into his eyes. Right. And it's like, and the commandant's like, yeah, no, he's, and she's like, can't you do anything for him? No, he's definitely dead. But, you know, sure, it'd be nice if he could try to find out uh, about the Soviet Union scheme before he dies. Yeah. Just, that you sure know, would be great. Just to help us out a little bit. <laughs> Parker sees a microwave, like, at some point that starts blinking the message, recall deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, because uh, he he has the deal with Stalin. Yeah, he has uh, and, a deal with Stalin. And he's he been 
not really doing much with it yet. Yeah. He even looks out a window to see, like, the rotating Blade Runner advertising hologram, which uh, is to Stalin's face and mm-hmm. says, increase sales at the bottom. <laughs> and it's like, millions of people just saw that. Yeah, because he, he needs to sell more drugs. He needs to sell more drugs. Stalin, the drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Stalin, the drug kingpin. Yeah, right, the drug kingpin. Yes, you're right. <laughs> so they do track Kagano. Uh, Batman himself shows up, or Batro yep. rather, with yep. his, I guess, thugs. Yeah, he's got like a whole uh, group of like backing henchmen, which yeah. is interesting because usually Batman is the guy uh, zotting all the henchmen rather than them working for him. That's how you know he's gone over to the other side. He lived long enough to see himself become the villain. Oh, he did. Well. <laughs> that happened a few movies ago. <laughs> yeah, so um, Batman's, like, beating up Gagano, going to, like, take him in or kill him or whatever. And these old men are like, leave him alone, leave him alone. Uh, Gagano gets shot, but he survives. Right. Uh, and Batman locks them up in a cage. Yeah, like he's in a, a a small cage with animals. Yeah, with animals and with these two, the two old soldiers, the old Ethiopian soldiers, right, who believe that he is their messiah because he hasn't, he got shot and it didn't take. Yeah. Here we meet Mister Sophistication. Mister Sophistication. Uh, another one of the. Uh, the players in this ridiculous evil conspiracy uh he i don't know what his deal is he's working for batman and stalin but he wants to betray batman and become the president of beta ethiopia himself yeah i don't really ever get a a really strong grasp on this guy's scheme he's he's playing it really close to the vest and he's fake to everyone again i wonder if he is maybe a specific political satire of just someone we are not aware of. Could be, could be. Because yeah, he does feel like he—he's sort of a, a what's his name from House of Cards type, Frank. He—he he does seem to just be someone who is like working everybody. Yeah, but it doesn't work out for him. In the no, end. it doesn't work great. He's—he's he's not as good at it. <laughs> You're trying to fuck over Joseph Stalin. Joseph Dude Stalin invented Photoshop to get rid of people he didn't like. And this is a super AI virus version of him who's also a drug kingpin years after his death. Yeah. Like hundreds of years. Or at least a hundred. It's like evil 20, AI of one of the most evil people who's ever lived. Yeah. And I guess like I, I guess notably he the this thing with him uh, appearing in the billboard, which is uh, it's the second time we've seen something like this. There like way earlier on there was a part where uh, he hacked a different Blade Runner billboard that just uh, Gagano saw after the first oh, right. time they're right. in it. So, like, his AI virus is already hacking reality outside of Psycho Book, which oh, is yeah. well, they, a, a really important talk, issue. Well, they talk about how, like, Beta Ethiopia shouldn't be in the virus Soviet Union's territory. Like, it's almost like they're treating the virus like it's its own nation within this virtual reality. Yeah, like they're they're trying to establish diplomatic relations with a virus, basically. <gasps> a virus wearing a bad Joseph Stalin mask. 
Yeah. And like dealing reality altering drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Stalin informs, uh, Batman and Mr. Sophistication that Gagano is, uh, the CIA is part of the CIA, but he needs them to activate the Ark of the Covenant for some reason, which right. is like the most powerful psychobook processing computer. Yeah. Uh, but it's being guarded by a deadly Shaolin monk. Hell yeah. <laughs> but Mr. Sophistication has his three Kung Fu masters, Spaghetti, Rigatoni, and Baltazar. <laughs> Uh, so they are gonna go and try to take the ark of the covenant from the shaolin monk and yeah it's it's the whole round one fight so good like i think the actual uh arcade graphics from street fighter 2 uh might be it looks a lot like them if not yeah. yeah could be could well be um yeah, so the Kung Fu ma- or the Shaolin master kicks their asses at first, but then Stalin shows up and upgrades their AI to force level eight. Which oh no! Up- which is uh, real bad because the Shaolin master is only force level seven. Yeah. So and you know a bunch of them too. Yes. So so just in time for round two, the masters kill the monk and take the Ark of the Covenant. Yep. So they've they've got the arc now again a piece of eighties pop culture. It's like yeah, it's it's like it, what I imagine an eighties laptop would look like. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's very boxy, big, yeah, o- oversized, yeah. And, and like I think there actually were laptops of that size, like similar to that, like small portable computers, like for you know uh, government use, that were just like boxy, <laughs> mm-hmm. like v like VHS players. So, uh, oh gosh, what's happening? Okay, so Mr. Sophistication and Batman and Stalin are all meeting in a room to discuss what to do now that they've got the Ark of the Covenant, and they apparently need Gagano to unlock it, which I still don't know why. Because they don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Part part of it, I I assume, is that because he is from reality, whereas they are from virtual reality. Oh. Yeah, we the only other person we know who's from reality hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, so they're 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 well, well, the commandant is real, but he's not. I don't think he has an avatar in the world. Right, I don't think so. So I I think it's partially that, and also partially because they want someone who is uh, expendable to them to do it. Right, right. So Mr. Sophistication's like, hey, well, let me interrogate him. I want to do it. And Batfro's like, no, no, don't. I, I don't trust you. And Stalin's like, hey, you can trust him because I say so and you can trust me. <laughs> if you can't trust Joseph Stalin, who can you trust? Stalin in this movie kind of has a South Park character energy, he, like Saddam Hussein in he South reminds Park. Me of Sa- he super reminds me of Saddam from South Park. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guy. Yeah, that that same sort of energy, like he's very gregarious, that same kind, he's of kind of ridiculous. Vo- like even the same kind of voice, like hey, yeah, I'm Stalin guy. Yeah, I like I I sort of feel like that was maybe a direct influence here. It could be, it could be. 
Oh, yeah. So here we have Kagano dreaming of being the leader of Beta Ethiopia and using his presidential power to open up that pizzeria that he always wanted. Oh, yeah. And then he wakes up and the old men in the cage with him try to convince him to stay and save the country. Right. Um, Batman drags Gagano and the others to Mr. Sophistication, where we see that the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant is the old tiny laptop. And yeah, Gagano inputs the password. I guess maybe that's why they needed him to do it is because he worked there and knows how to knows the password. It's super not clear why they need him specifically. For there, there's any of a lot this. of potential reasons, basically, and I, I think all of them are valid. Yeah, but nothing gets confirmed. This this movie doesn't confirm anything that's happening. Well, that's sort of the, the fun of it is that it is a puzzle box, and there's just all of these moving pieces, and it's just like you get to choose your own reality. Yep, because uh, yeah, well, we'll get to it, but I've got reason to. I got many reasons to think that the final reality still isn't real. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Let's see. So here we have the commandant uh, who's in charge of this whole CIA Operation Jungle thing. Get on the phone with – it's got to be Bush Sr. I do think it's supposed to be representative of Bush Sr., I agree. That that was my recollection as well. It's not Bush Sr., it's Stalin wearing a different mask. (laughs) And he's got, like, all these different masks that he puts on, and his assistant is Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're all part of the same evil cabal. They're all just the same guy in different masks. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, in the credits, you find out that that is true, and a few other people who we know are also played by that actor. Indeed. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it when we meet them, but I, I took note. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Stalin, the Stalin AI is hacking the Ark of the Co- Covenant, and uh, the, pres- the Commandant asks, asks the President A.I. Bush – for permission to destroy Beta Ethiopia, and Bush is like, "What? That—that's a little extreme. It's crazy." Well, don't we have a guy in there still? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the big deal? It only take like two days tops to rebuild it. Right. Because so, like, Beta Ethiopia is the it's, it's in the VR world. Like, yes. Beta Ethiopia is the VR world. I think. Or, yes. Well, it's part of it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of but, the core, the area that they operate in, in the VR world, at least. Or or the part where they just, yeah, or, or where they just happen to be right now. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like the, the Stalin AI has already taken over a big chunk of the VR world. Like, it might have taken mm-hmm. over all of Russia at this point. I don't know. I mean, presumably. Yeah. Uh, Stalin <laughs> summons these alien fly people. Oh, yeah, the flies. Yeah, with like these ridiculous like um uh Power Ranger monster suits. Like they look like Power Ranger monsters. They do look a lot like they're they're very rubbery. They've got that kind of TV monster suit energy. And like you got a bunch of them, so like you kind of yeah. got to keep the costs low. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh they've got like these lasers that just this completely disintegrate you once you get touched by it. So uh, they disintegrate. Uh, they disintegrate 
Mr. Sophistication and his three Kung Fu masters, and they zap Gagano twice, but it doesn't take, doesn't do anything. Because he's real. I, I, well, at this point, I thought maybe it was because he was a doppelganger. Oh, maybe. Because there is a doppelganger. created by Stalin. I feel like it would have erased the doppelganger, but maybe. Um, it's hard to it's really it's really hard to say like everything about this movie's lore and its rules it's really hard to say well like i said choose your own reality (laughs) my 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 feeling here is that he is uh impervious to it because of his reality like because he is a real person with a grounding side of this virtual world right because if he dies here he's gonna die three levels above him including the re- the real real world above which is above where all these other guys are yeah yeah okay so yeah um and it just would just killing him would fuck up the entire simulation series yeah and which is how like uh, uh, jesus and jesus slash roy is able to die a couple times but continues to come back each time yeah, so um and also because he's Jesus. And also because he's <laughs> Jesus and also because he takes the substance. Right, he he is drug dealing Jesus. Drug dealing Jesus. That that uh, is key because we have our, our drug dealer murderer Batman president as well yes. as drug dealing Jesus drug and they are on a trajectory to collide. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, Palmer shows up and he takes this giant mirror to deflect oh here we go this this actually proves your point about the reality thing mm. uh it deflects it at one of the flies who does not die he gets right. knocked he gets knocked over and knocked out but he does not disintegrate mm-hmm. and the other fly creates like this weird laser portal that he jumps through oh those look so cool they're like this sort of waving web of neon lines in the air yeah like like a moving three-dimensional spirograph it looks kind of like uh a visualizer on like winamp or uh media yeah. player yeah, yeah just, it, but but like yeah, it's in really the cool. air yeah, it's i actually like this controversial opinion time i like this more than i like the portal design in doctor strange oh yeah i could see that that's fair i mean like the doctor strange one is done really well but it has to be because it's you know a giant multi-million dollar movie but this is like effective and fun looking but like at you know an independent budget yeah and it fits with everything else that it's suitably unreal but also unreal in the way that matches up with this reality totally like it really helps that there are so many different layers to the reality so that uh, you can really throw in a lot of weird l- little bits of unreality and they sort of resolve together as long as you sort of have a house style to it, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fly number two escapes through the portal to this pool uh, where he starts talking to this other fly who's wearing a sun hat by the pool and, like, reading a magazine. Um, turns out this is the fly's secret lair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're gonna get a huge exposition exposition dump in a little bit because the one fly guy is not dead and he takes off his helmet uh 
his glove hand fell off too, and all this candy came out, like Halloween candy. Oh yeah, candy. I forgot about that. That like he gets knocked over and like the hand falls off, and there's just like candy in it, and that's happening a few times. You see these suits are filled with candy for some reason. Yeah. So uh, here's the the fly guy's backstory. He woke up on a mountain thinking he's Jesus, or with a very powerful voice in his head telling him that he is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, he's shirtless. There is a cross. He looks like he's nailed to it, but he's actually not. He just picks it up and starts walking. Mm-hmm. He learned about Palmer dealing in the substance, but Stalin caught him and turned him into a fly monster and then brought him to this really fancy resort where he was there for so long. And it was so nice that he lost all memory, but Gagano's face made him regain his memory. He was and trapped Gagano's in like, the last year at Marion Bad. <laughs> yeah. And Gagano's like, well, how the hell did I make you regain your memory? I've never seen you. It's like, yeah, you did. You helped me. You gave me the keys to my Mercedes Benz in 1997. Oh, or is it 97 or is it 95? Uh, I wrote 97. Oh, it, it might change. Like It, it might, might be change. different at different times. That's a, that's interesting because <laughs> right. you said 95 earlier for sure. I did say 95. But, interesting. Uh, it, yeah, it could totally be because – so, yeah, he, he has a flashback of the two of them meeting in – this base reality before going to MIT. Yeah, he's outside. He like he parks his car. Uh, he drops his keys, and Gagano just picks him up. And is like, hey, you dropped it. Oh, thanks, man. I don't have any pockets. <laughs> yeah, he's just a surfer dude who's like, sure, I'll take an MK Ultra experiment. Maybe I'll get some acid. <laughs> but yeah, he's like saying to him, "Is like you're not in the CIA." We are all in MIT in a VR projection, and it's 1997, right. not 2040, whatever. Yeah. So Batman shows up to tackle Jesus. Uh, but yeah, Jesus, he... ta- <laughs> go ahead. Uh, Jesus takes the substance candy just before Batman breaks his fucking neck. Yeah, Batman just ices him like he's Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah, and he starts chasing after uh, starts chasing after Gagano, who is running to this place where uh, to where the the old the old Ethiopian soldiers are, and they're like praying for him and praying, and he's like, guys, guys, stop it! This isn't he's gonna find me. But turns out the prayer was so intense that it slowed down the program, and now Batman is frozen. Right. He's he's frozen in place because the prayer was able to do it because it yeah. can affect the reality. Yeah, uh, magic spell. So so the guys uh, give Gagano a candy. One of the substance uh, candies. Yeah, think, one of the right? substance candies, right? Yeah. And does he take it right away? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, here I just write probably? down: Is Stalin really a cat? <laughs> don't know don't know the context of that uh i do believe there is a scene where he is a talking cat oh well there is one where like his projection stolid mask turns into a cat face after he's yeah oh that's saying yeah, something yeah. sinister to the commandant that's what it is right yeah um yeah so he dressed so disguised as the president he tells rebane the commandant to get rid of gagano and is like well he's still alive it's like, uh, no, he's not. 
And he gets off the phone. He's like, I'm not going to do this. Smash cut to him pouring Doing gasoline <laughs> on Gagano's body at a beach with uh, who's all there? Palmer's there. Um, the whole the gang's wife there. Is there. They, they've got him just like in in like a shallow grave on the beach. Yep. And yeah, they, they light him on fire. Yeah, they, they burn up his body. So now he is. Uh, exclusively in the virtual world or at least his physical presence in this world no longer exists but this isn't a real world anyway (laughs) yeah so somehow palmer is on the the aircraft carrier from before with margaret thatcher and stalin Mm -hmm. i think he's getting reamed about how he's not doing enough to sell the drugs yeah he's really not doing much he's He's, not he's slacking the drug thing yeah he really isn't into it. He is yeah. more into the wife thing. He is super into the wife thing. The wife, to be fair, is pretty hot. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's where Palmer finds the uh, Gagano USB drive in a trash can on the submarine. Mm-hmm. And he takes it and gives it to Malin. Who puts it into a like oh man one of those like portable TVs from like the seventies? Yeah, like a really old black and white TV with like an antenna and stuff. Like my dad used to work in logging camps when I was a kid, and he had a TV like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it has a USB port. Mm-hmm. Which shouldn't exist in nineteen ninety seven anyway. That too. I feel yeah. Like... No, because again. A lot of different like pieces of reality all kind of uh, gathering together uh, in, in sort of like a tornado of realities. Yeah. So um, yeah. So Malin puts the team or the USB stick into the plum is crumpling my notes. Uh, <laughs> puts the USB stick into the TV and get off. And. Uh, Gagato is on TV now. He lives inside the television, or rather, he is the television. It's sort of both. Like, we see his face in the television, and it just sort of represents him. Uh, So he is kind of physically trapped in it. Yeah, he he sees through the screen somehow. I guess Gagano is talking on the... Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's like... Okay, so there's this graphic on the little TV that's otherwise black and white of, like... A phone dialing like it looks like one of those one nine hundred ads mm-hmm. of like a cartoon mm-hmm. phone being dialed. Yeah. Uh, so he gets in touch with the commandant, who he still thinks is on his side, and the commandant comes in, grabs the TV, and drops it off the roof of their really tall apartment building. Yeah, they they go up to this. I, I really like this building too. This it's building sort of circular, is cool. Yeah, just uh, like rad. it feels like a giant like base on stilts on top of a a skyscraper it's so cool and like there's a lot of open space around it like there's this big open space in front of it did you ever watch the cartoon show gargoyles yeah totally how how like he built the castle on top of the skyscraper oh yeah yeah kind of like what or he took the castle that already existed and put it on top of the skyscraper but that's like a whole different Mm. yeah that's kind of what that made me think of okay but yeah i i love this like you know we, we see the shot of him 
uh, holding the TV over the edge and he drops it. And then, oh, my God, there's someone uh, skydiving to get to retrieve it before he falls. Yeah. And the commandant's like, damn you, Captain Laguchi. <laughs> Captain Laguchi. from before. Way, way back. Way yeah. back. So, yeah, she catches the TV, tells Gagano uh, that Stalin is dead, that maybe uh, Russia has destroyed the AI once they realized they couldn't control it. But right. nothing in the movie so far has given us any cause to believe that Stalin's dead. No, it, it's really out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, how did that happen? Because, I mean, up until like five minutes ago, he was doing pretty well. He was doing great. And here's where we learn that the substance is an alien invader trying to colonize the Earth. Or at least uh, that's what she says. That's what she says, yeah. Uh, we also have. Oh, okay, we have a scene of him watching actual 66 Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where Batgirl comes and saves Batman and Robin from a you know one of the death traps, but but they're talking about the federal equal pay law. It's like yeah. a woman I, doing the same work should be entitled to the same pay. This is no time for jokes, Batgirl. Yeah, totally. I think that is maybe from a TV ad rather than an actual episode of the show. Like I think it's an ad they did regarding the federal equal pay amendment. Uh, that's rather because it, it looks funny. like it. Yeah, it does look like an ad, though. So <laughs> we, we randomly have Palmer coming back uh, into the apartment where Gagano TV is again. Him and the wife, uh, Malin, are dressed up like gladiators uh, <laughs> where they were. I guess they were going to sell drugs at the carnival. Right. Yeah. So they're they're in costume. <laughs> they're in costume. Yeah. So here we have, uh, uh, oh yeah, that's right, uh, Gagano on the TV watching Palmer make out with and almost go to have sex with Malin when the TV fires off like a spark or something at him and he's like, mm-hmm. traitor. Zap. And uh, Malin tells him that she wants to bring Palmer too for their dream to move away and start the kickboxing academy it's like palmer that's our dream that's you and me it's like yeah but you're a tv yeah you're just a television though you can't really satisfy my needs or even make pizza anymore yep so uh yeah malin leaves with agent palmer movers come and pack up the gagano tv and put it in the trash yep he is thrown out because that is just a crappy old tv (laughs) yep uh, we have uh, we have like this A side of the or this B side of the movers talking to each other. It's like, you know what, dude? The universe is like one of these mattresses. Once you're like when you're on it, it's got your imprint. But as soon as you leave, the imprint's gone forever. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bro. Uh, so, I, I I I immediately when uh, they threw out the uh, Gagano vision i i was immediately thinking of that classic ikea ad with the lamp that gets thrown out and then there's like the angry german guy's like you're sad for the lamp aren't you that's because you're stupid (laughs) i don't remember that (laughs) oh it's great classic oh nice um so an old lady finds gagano and (laughs) takes him to reverend roy 
Reverend Roy. <laughs> Who is our Jesus guy. Yeah, reborn, uh, re- but knowing he's Roy rather than Jesus. Yep. Um, so Roy gives the substance to everybody in this place. They're doing like this whole gathering thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just takes us the bowl and like a spoonful of it and just dumps it on top of the television. He's just like pouring it on the TV. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, the psychedelics will work on the TV too. We got to get you back to reality. And then he gets shot. Uh, I believe it is President Batman who it once again President kills Batman him. Batman who kills yeah. him again. Yeah. He executes Jesus twice in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but he took the substance and Gagato took the substance too, just in time, I guess. So he escapes. And we've got uh, Batfro tearing apart the place. And one of his minions comes up to him and is like, you're not going to believe this, sir, but Reverend Roy is actually Chico Pinero. And, <laughs> and this is great because Batfro was like, who the hell is Chico Pinero? And the guy's like, we don't know. <laughs> I have the exact lines here because I posted them in the group chat. It's one of my favorite interchanges. Like, <laughs> Reverend Roy was Chico Pinero. And I was like, what? Who the hell is Chico Pinero? Like, we don't know, sir. Damn, shit. Chico Panero. <laughs> Still don't know what Captain Lagashi was uh, was doing in all this either, but we're like five minutes from the end now. Damn shit. Chico Panero. That's so good. Yeah. So uh, Gagano wakes up in a hospital, a brightly lit hospital, completely mm-hmm. like all white. This is the first time we've really seen this color palette used in this movie. Mm hmm. Uh, the commandant is looking very uncommandantly and more scientistly with his white lab coat. Yep. And uh, Roy's like, "Yo, dude, I woke up like 20 minutes ago." And the commandant's like, "Oh, here's your check, and here's your check." Yep. It's like and, a Wizard of Oz ending. <laughs> and Gagano's like, "Well, no, um, but Stalin and the virus, sir, the CIA confused." You're not yeah. in the CIA. Yeah, this was just a, 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 a VR experiment. It'll wear off. <laughs> so they get outside and the car is parked. Like Roy's Mercedes is parked exactly where it was in the flashback. Mm-hmm. And uh, the food, the, pe- the food truck is there too. Um, his food truck, his pizza truck, which I guess he did actually have it the whole time. His beach pizza truck, because this this is the reality, uh, yeah. I guess. His dreams were of his reality. Yeah. So he so he asks him. He asks Roy, who has been Jesus before. Yes. Hey, do you know how to get to the highway? Yeah. Follow me. So he's got he's got the check, which is enough money to start the kickboxing studio mm-hmm. and they're driving away. They're following Jesus to the highway. And here's the thing. The pizza truck says on one of the signs established 2014. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we see very briefly a glowing red eyed cat in between them, like in the shadows in the, yeah. like in the back of the truck. Just hiding in the back of the truck. Yeah. 
and then uh, yeah, there's a and we've seen like again so Stalin we saw so with Stalin the cat was, mask earlier and that that's yeah. what I was thinking of and like right I think Stalin is supposed to be the cat here maybe uh, that's what I'm thinking like Stalin yeah. Stalin is the cat and he's still with them mm-hmm. but isn't he supposed to be an AI maybe. but now he's but yeah no we're still but in a he simulation was an AI. he was an AI that was bleeding into the real world in the like fourth layer of AI so in theory he has worked his way up to this layer of reality whether it is the top level or whether there are more levels above it again choose your own reality yeah well my I, my read on it is that it could be either, but I, I kind of like the idea that this is like base reality, but like he has uh, that Stalin has managed to get into it somehow. Into it. But yeah, I think more likely, yeah, this is another layer of simulation because the timelines are really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get our trippy, like psychedelic 80s. Uh, bit tune or chip tune credit sequence yeah just really pump and chip tune music and everything's 8-bit design for all of the credits they rule just rules yep nothing and at the end of the movie nothing is confirmed nothing is known for sure i don't know yeah <laughs> I it's, mean, it's jesus showed up the way to the highway yeah it is a completely choose your own adventure or choose your own reality movie and i i like that it's called Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway in that that's the only part that nominally takes place in reality and everything else is just a construct. The only yeah. thing that actually happened is that guy showed him how to get to the highway. Yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> at, at the end of the chat, I I think I wrote uh, something like, uh, yeah, well, Jesus the only did show him the happen. way to the highway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anything else that happened mattered. Yeah, I mean, maybe, because yeah, I mean, maybe. The, the, the Stalin cat presumably is there and is maybe a, a threat of some sort. But yeah, what a cool movie. Just totally Super fascinating. Really uh, <laughs> unlike anything else, like totally uh, unique. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, it borrows from a lot of different places, but the way they're blended is very original. <laughs> Bat, nothing, Batman doesn't get his or anything. He's still he doesn't die. I mean, unless his reality no longer exists, because who knows? Oh, maybe, because they both woke up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, just, uh, it's such an interesting melange. Like, there's there's so many different things in the stew. Like, a lot of it is 80s. Like, it's boring a lot of 80s pop culture. And, like, you've got, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. You've got all this 80s chiptune music and yeah, you've uh, got your... video game stuff. yeah. Um, you got like your 80s looking Shaolin monks. Yeah. And like the, the 80s tech as well, like really old school boxy electronics. Yeah. Like the VR headset is what you would imagine a VR headset from the 80s looking like. Yeah. Like heavily wired, lots of wires, the sort of thing that you saw in things like altered states and you know, early movies that dealt with uh, VR concepts. Yeah, just just a total blast. Very interesting. Huge, huge recommend. Oh yeah, love this movie. I I gotta try watching this while high sometime. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, the if you partake, this is a movie to watch while while partaking. 
yeah, a good way to uh, find your chosen reality with it, because it, it is a movie that is, is, I think, intentionally psychedelic oriented and that uh, it is this whole thing about psychedelics being used as a way of finding reality rather than a way of altering it. Uh, yeah, just a really fascinating piece of art, like uh, a really unique uh concept just every yeah. piece of it is like th- this I've is never seen an, anything like this before well just like its view on all of the different world events that it, or all of the world figures that it's sort of putting together at, like action figures you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so much fun it, it does feel like, like just smashing a bunch of different action figures against each other yeah like it's like yeah. hey i've got this batman we can work him in like the beginning of Toy Story 2, when we see the toy world version of Andy playing a game with his toys, this whole movie has that kind of just anything goes energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, great movie. Love it. Hilarious, awesome. too. Oh, just so much fun. Uh, all right. So any last thoughts before we head to our third and final section? Yes. Just take me to where the truth is. <laughs> all right uh on to part three and we're back for the third and final section where we're going to talk about some movies watched in the past week and decide what we want to watch next week now first lucky seven we watched oh my and god give your yeah. thoughts on revisiting okay. this film from your childhood so yes um i discussed it i think briefly in our kung fu wonder child episode mm-hmm. But Lucky Seven, uh, which was a bonus feature on that disc. Yeah, extra uh, feature on the Gold Ninja disc of uh, Kung Fu Wonder Child. Yeah, it looked familiar to me, and I thought, and I thought it looks an awful lot like this weird movie that I just saw like a whole bunch of times because it was like the only fun kung fu movie that our that one of our friends in elementary school had. It was mm-hmm. like a bootleg Chinese VHS or something. I'm not entirely sure. Right. Uh, but it was a movie that like I watched. It was a huge part of my childhood for a period of time. And then I completely forgot it existed. Um, and it turns out that this is that movie. It is that movie. Uh, and it is kind of like, I, I totally get it as something that you would have completely forgotten and then it just suddenly dredges out of the past because it has that vaporwave feel to it. Like it, yeah. it feels like something you remembered rather than something that exists. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But like it is so it uses uh, we thought it was I'm not sure if it's uh, Billy Jean or like a virgin. I think it's more like a virgin. It's it's totally the like a virgin baseline, but then they do a different, like the the kung fu sing along is do 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 do. Basically, no, it's you know it's it like is. it's a it's, little bit of a riff on that, but it's yeah. It's um the do 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 ha do 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 do. It's that yeah. um preset oriental theme from the casio keyboards exactly yeah it's it's, it's, it's the, literally that but like they're singing it it 100 is and then it's that layered over like the the, the baseline for like a the synth part yeah, yeah the synth 
the synth bass of like a virgin yeah it's weird it's very catchy and like it's super annoying <laughs> you oh, hear yeah. it a million times in the movie um yeah like that song never actually never left my head i just didn't know where it was from right right but it's always been there uh it also notably uses the halloween theme for one of the fight scenes it uses it for i believe four or five of the fight scenes there's like a few different halloween uh score pieces that they use <laughs> like like not just score pieces like the iconic theme oh yeah like in <laughs> like action scenes and like it's not supposed to be a scary scene it's supposed to be just action yeah um so yeah it's like these seven seven lucky kids who are like uh, they're a gang of kung fu kids i guess yeah and some uh, of them are types like there's one who is clearly modeled on bruce lee in game of death yeah um, there's one girl there's, there's fatty there's the fat one who's uh, not the dumb one the fat one's kinda, not really fat he's not really fat <laughs> they could have cast a fatter kid most of these yeah. 80s kids who are fat were fatter than this yeah um the, the girl is rich and she's got a super incompetent butler slash chauffeur who gets everybody into trouble all the time. Yep. Um, the, he uh, is kind of the main comic relief. They, they get him slapped by women a lot. Oh yeah. But they also, they, him and them sexually harass a lot of women. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause at one they point, go up a lot of skirts. For, Cause they're <laughs> looking for a, a mole, a girl with a mole on her leg. Yeah. On her thigh. Uh, on I her think. thigh. Yeah. To yeah. give her like this, diamond because the person who was supposed to get it to her was killed by the evil yakuza types was like full-on shot in the head in front shot of in a the little head girl. in front of a child yes uh yeah the, the the violence in the movie is really wild uh it it really kind of goes up and down but like that final scene where they're all or not final scene but like the big climactic the battle yeah. in the warehouse where like one of the, the kids are kids getting literally stabs a dude through the heart with a knife yeah, there are a few points where they kill them. Like there's there's them breaking necks too. But I'm thinking more of when uh, the bad guy picks up and throws a couple of the ninja kids through plate glass windows. Oh yeah, right. Uh, um, really fun. Our our villain is like this, like mafia. Like he he looks like a Chinese guy trying to do an impression of an American mafia guy. mm Hmm. He's got like this eye patch, but he lifts it up because he can't see. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just an affectation. Uh, his two main henchmen. There's two ninja kids named Fatty and Dummy, and there's also two main henchmen named Fatty and Dummy. Yeah, and like uh, Fatty, they don't become friends with, but Dummy just kind of ends up part of the Lucky Seven crew by the some, end. Um, he just kind of like assimilates, starts following them around because they're nicer to him. Right. Um, yeah, so it, it ends in like this huge showdown in a warehouse. Uh, he's got like these two, uh, like, I don't know, like MMA fighters from Argentina that he's hired. You right. know, the, the, the hired rival samurai guys. Of course, of course. Yeah, two two big guys who are like kickboxers. Yeah. Uh, and they, they are not at all averse to just like kickboxing some little kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, beating the fuck out of these children. You know, roundhouse kicking kids. Uh, it's like that, that's sort of the really fun element of the movie to me is that like the action sequences are like proper kung fu sequences, except 
little Except, kids who yeah, but are just getting kicked. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'll have like the same the same thugs like struggling and comic shenanigans while they try to skate on ice. Oh, totally um, zero consistency in terms of threat level. And like yeah. you know, they they do the Vincent Adultman thing. You know, they're they're three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> three a few kids times. in a trench coat, yeah. which uh, fools the thugs. Briefly. Um, briefly. Uh, one thug gets kicked in the nuts and he has to do a comical. Oh, <sighs> well, you got it. You got like it. Like the family guy thing. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really bad. Uh, oh, it's incredibly kids... bad. Our friend hated it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the kids calls one of the Argentinian guys a chimpanzee. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not stuff good. It's not great. There, there's definitely a lot of stuff in it that is not great, and I, I have no idea how Lots much of it of is sexual from sexual harassment played for laughs. I have no idea how much of it is from the dub and how much of it is original to the movie. But oh, like, that's a good point. The chimpanzee the, thing could be dub only. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's very aimed at kids. Like, it's so aimed at kids that it's kind of almost not at all for adults. Yeah, but like the kung fu. When they're doing kung fu is good. Like it's the, totally solid. The kids yeah. are talented at kung fu. Absolutely. Like they all have chops, which is yep. interesting. But yeah, it's such I, a. I'm curious thing. if anything ended up like if any of them went on to do anything after that. I mean, I presume there are other kid kung fu movies that they did around this time. That was sort of a weird little cottage industry in the 80s. Yeah. Um, overall, not as good or as entertaining as Kung Fu Wonder Child by any stretch. Mm. But it has it has its points. Yeah, it's it's a fun thing. And like, I, I totally recommend the uh, Kung Fu Wonder Child disc if it's still available or if you can track it down. And you know, it's it's a fun uh, side side thing. Yep. Yep. Now that <laughs> now that I the song hasn't left my head since seeing it again. Huh. Ha. <laughs> so we've got eight movies to pick from for our eight. second feature next week. All uh, right. First up is Jaws the Revenge, uh, the final official one in the franchise. Okay. Uh, in this one, uh, uh, Brody has died of a heart attack in between the oh. two movies uh like roy scheider was still alive he just was absolutely uninterested in ever coming back and was very clear about it so they're like oh okay, well, fine i don't blame him <laughs> i do not blame him at all he came back for the second one and that was it for him he was never doing another one he didn't want to be there for the second one either well you make one movie that like surely at the time they must have known that they hit it out of the park Totally. And like he kind of came from the art house scene. So like he was not into doing sequels. Yeah. um, And it's a movie that did not warrant a sequel. It Well, it isn't. It isn't because it's the most easily sequelizable kind of movie because it's the simplest thing. You just have another shark. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you, it doesn't need to be Jaws 2 with the number. It could be Jaws T-O-O. And like, yeah, Jaws 2, another one. <laughs> there, there's no reason to not have another shark. It's just crazy that they made them all sort of related, <laughs> that they kept harassing the Brody family and everything. But so this one, Ellen Brody is the main character. And it's still the, the same actress. The she wife? is the wife. Yeah, she okay. has been 
uh, she's the only constant through the whole series, actually. Okay. So uh, Sean Brody, the youngest boy, has now become uh, an Amityville or Amity Island police officer, just like his dad. And oh. he is out on a boat at Christmas and he gets eaten by a shark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That was. Uh... And Ellen Brody has a psychic connection with the shark. Oh, and no. she moves to the Bahamas and has this uh, romance with Michael Caine, who plays a character called Hoagie. <laughs> who, I'm sorry. Who flies Hoagie. a plane. <laughs> yeah, Hoagie. Uh, and, you know, the shark follows her all the way to the Bahamas from I'm just New York imagining, State. like, Alfred from uh, the Dark Knight <laughs> Batman series. But, like... You know the hot dog guy costume? Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That, but like, like it's a like it's a sandwich. That's what I'm imagining, and I don't want to see this movie because I want <laughs> I want that to be what it is. Omogi must master wine, and yeah, it's not good. It's actually fucking terrible. It's the worst one in the series by far. Uh, it has two kills only in this version that I have. Ooh. For some reason, this is the european cut i think the original theatrical cut uh one of the the other characters in this is melvin or yeah uh, sorry mario van peebles uh is uh so uh, uh, ellen goes to live with michael brody who is in the bahamas studying i think jellyfish with okay. his buddy mario van peebles in the original theatrical cut he also gets killed by the shark. But in this version, they edit it and he survives. He just miraculously reappears. Like, what? Uh, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's the you were worst. eaten by a shark. Well, I got better. This is a weird movie that went through all sorts of development hell. So, like, initially it was um, there There was a voodoo curse. And, like, you know, because it's in the Bahamas. So, Ellen has oh, a voodoo right. curse. And that's why oh, there's the psychic no. connection. And it's just this... And uh, Michael Caine was, in addition to flying a plane and being like the romantic lead with Ellen Brody, he was a drug runner and he was like dealing with that and he was on the run. And like there was a whole thing where he was giving up drug running for her. Uh, bizarre, bizarre. Oh, so None that's of, why like, he takes off the sandwich costume so the cops won't <laughs> recognize him. But of course, like all of that stuff got cut out. So now it just is incoherent. <laughs> Bizarre movie. Completely bad. Uh, two kills, huh? Just when you thought it was safe to go in the water. It's probably we're is. actually mostly right. I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think there's only one other kill. There's this uh it, it goes after the the youngest daughter. Like they now have a granddaughter who uh, tragically it's the girl who was the voice of the main character in um All Dogs Go to Heaven and she was the voice of Ducky in oh. um uh the dinosaur one? Yeah, dinosaur, uh, Land Before Time. Land Before Time, the one there's like 17 of them. Right. Uh, she's only in the first one because, sadly, she was murdered by her father uh, before oh. Jaws the Revenge even came out, I think. Oh, God. Uh, very, very tragic story. Uh, weird movie, total mess, uh, not good. Oh. Next up is Girls' Night Out. Uh, this is a sla early slasher, but a sorority scavenger hunt where someone in the university bear mascot costume has like stolen the co stolen the mascot costume and put knife claws into it. Uh, oh, nice! And you know, goes after 
sorority babes. Uh, it's it's very straightforward. Yeah, it's it's you know, completely basic, straight down the line slasher, but you know, well made, pretty good. Cool. Next is another bad one, Oz the Great <laughs> and Powerful. <laughs> um, I, I was I've been curious about this one. I saw this one in the theater when it came out, and I had not revisited it until now. And one thing I'll say for it is that it's got a lot more of Raimi's style in it than I recalled. Okay. Like, it's very Raimi. Uh, especially the opening. The, there's this great 15-minute opening sequence that's in black and white. It's in 133-1 ratio, so, like, picture box. And it's in Kansas, and it's him as just, you know, uh, you know Oz is our main character. Yeah. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, uh, James Franco as Wizard of Oz, who's kind of doing a mostly half-assed Bruce Campbell impression. Like he's sort of his arc is exactly the the same arc as Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell. Hmm. He's he's doing the same thing, you know. He ends up in this other world, and they need him yeah. to save them, and he is resistant to it, and he's kind of a jerk, and. He is just doing it way too lazy. He doesn't have the verve of a Bruce Campbell doing it. All right, and, you uh, want a little air? Come, come get some. Come get yeah, some. it's 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 so low energy. He just seems bored. Um, and but like the stuff where it's uh, in Kansas at the start is pretty cool. Uh, this is 3D. Notably, it's Sam Raimi's first 3D movie, and he really gets to play with 3D. So they're like. There's there's a sequence of him getting sucked up in the tornado and he's just being menaced by you know flying debris and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> right on. And then he lands in Oz. You get the the change to color, which works pretty well, and like it turns into widescreen as well because you know it did. Right. Comes out. Uh, but the Oz stuff looks terrible. Uh, just uh, completely green screen. Yeah, so. and and also like you can't. I, I found out like you can't use even though Wizard of Oz is public domain, you can't visually reference anything from the movie. Nothing at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's like really hokey and genuine as a tribute to movie making magic, but the CG really overwhelms it. And I think just honestly, Disney and Sam Raimi are a style clash. Uh, well, his, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's going for like the Grand Guignol horror stuff, and you see it just hiding in the shadows of the movie everywhere. And there are places where it comes up because like uh, Rachel Weiss as the uh, one of the wicked witches legit turns into a deadite at the end, just full on <laughs> is a deadite at the end. I would say the, swallow your soul, my pretty. I mean, it's, it's basically that uh, it's pretty dumb. I think all of the stuff with Mila Kunis's character is a huge disaster, just so badly done. Uh, just a badly written character, complete mess. And uh, I, I, the, the best parts are the two completely CGI characters. You've got Zach Braff as a talking monkey and Joey King as the China girl. And they're both kind of kind of sweet. Uh, everything else is bad. <laughs> well, and the All opening right. sequence is cool. Uh, but not a good movie. Not good. Not terrible, but like it's so compromised and it's so long and just there, there's so much just gunk that i don't need you know mm, okay uh next up is deadly weapons a bit of a style change here <laughs> so we're talking about the legendary uh kung fu weapons like the sacred spear and the heavenly staff right and all uh, th that. this is uh, th this is chesty morgan 
whose uh, 73-inch bosom, I mean, her oh, back. Oh, so it's more like the sacred mounds. Ouch, her back, you know? Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. Uh, she's mostly on couches and beds the entire movie, and I totally understand. Mm. <laughs> um, so the, the, the plot is she's got this boyfriend who she's totally in love with, uh, but he is a scumbag blackmailer who's messing with the mob. Obviously, that doesn't work out for him. They murder him. But she finds out who did it, and she tracks them down to Las Vegas and smothers them to death with her breasts. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it's very peppy, ridiculous 60s exploitation. Like, it's it's got a, a lot of uh, rock and roll energy, but, like, super grim in a weird way. Like, it, mm. it's got an incredibly dark ending. And hilariously, she has... Like, her dad is one of the other main characters, like, uh, this guy, and he looks like Neil Breen if he was, like, 50 years older and time-traveled back and was just, like, in the (laughs) worst shape imaginable. (laughs) But, yeah, he looks so much like Neil Breen. It's weird. Uh, Next up is The Stone Killer. It's a Charles Bronson movie. Uh Directed by Michael Winner, the same guy who did Death Wish with him. This cop plays dirty. He does. Uh, he's a loose cannon. Uh, he's there's this. <laughs> oh, oh, is he? Oh God, the tagline here: "Take away his badge, and he'd top the ten most wanted list." He'd be killing some people, uh, and like, you know, he's he's killing perps, but yeah, he he shoots right. people sometimes. Uh, a lot of the time he, there is this one car chase that he goes on and it's hilarious to me because it's just stupidly destructive. He is just constantly running into stuff. He drives through an entire uh, street market because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like he's chasing a guy on a motorcycle. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's very ridiculous. It, the, the, co- the plot is absurdly complicated involving the mafia getting Vietnam vets to use as hitmen, but like through these double blinds and then they're killing those guys off. And there's this training center in the desert where they're training these guys to infiltrate this, like to do this special heist where they're going to get revenge for this thing that happened in the thirties. Yeah. It's, it's super complicated. You don't understand most of what's happened until the real late end. It's mostly just Bronson uh, on a rampage shooting people, really great jazz funk score. (laughs) cool cool it's fun next up is the true story of the nun of monza how true is the true story of the nun of monza let's put true in the heaviest quotes imaginable all right uh so this is a fragasso and Mattei, claudio fragasso of troll 2 bruno Mattei. uh they they did a lot of collaborations and they they really had uh simpatico sensibilities uh, I feel like we've talked about at least one of their films before. I don't know if we've ever done any of them on here, but we watched uh, uh, the the one uh, Terminator 2, Shocking Dark. Oh, yeah. The one yeah. where it's like underneath Venice. Yeah. The, that's oh, one we yeah, watched, okay. but we did not cover it on this. Right. Uh, so this is them doing a nun movie. And the opening sequence has uh, hardcore horse sex. Horse sex. <laughs> 
horse sex. There's there's these four drunk people watching these horses have sex. It's real. It's oh, hardcore. it's horses having sex with each other, not yes, yes. Thankfully, okay. uh, but real, completely real. Oh, and graphic, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's intercut with the opening sequence where our none of Monza is being inducted, <laughs> so it's just <laughs> intercut with her, you know her, her going through the ceremony and it's like oh horse cock okay, <laughs> and so and the the damnedest thing about this sequence is i've seen it before it's stolen from another movie scene. I'm, like, damn it. I'm watching this goddamn horse sex scene again for Christ's sake. it's from the movie the beast by valerian borowitz uh, so uh, intercut with that like they have this scene and it's not clear how these things relate it just seems like they're just trying to be blasphemous but then hilariously all of the drunken revelers at the end of you know the the horses complete their act and uh the the drunken revelers just bust into the church (laughs) and start heckling them it's it's bizarre uh so it's it's this movie with the the nun is really hot so the landowner uh seduces her he's helped by the head priest who's also really debauched and uh so now she's in charge and just like the whole place uh unravels into sin it's it's totally one that's just like let's have fun with being as sacrilegious as we possibly can all the time (laughs) it's fun i had a good time (laughs) I'm just imagining this horse scene is going to be the something that like plagues you. You'll be watching. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be like interspersed into movies you're not expecting it in. Like you'll be watching, I don't know, uh, the Batman, and suddenly <laughs> horse sex. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in other Bruno Matteis. I've got a Caligula <laughs> movie by Bruno Matteis that it's oh, very possible that God. it will show up in. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> that's a non-zero chance. Yeah, that's, a, that's... absolutely a non-zero chance. Yep. <laughs> uh, next up is The Time Guardian. Ooh. This is a movie about a time-traveling city in a dome from the far distant future. Okay. It's being attacked by evil cyborgs who are quite a bit like the Borg because they're like humans in cyborg suits that have kind of they're all sort of like one consciousness and stuff. Right. And but they look like the bad guy in Toy Story. It's like they're really cheap costumes. <laughs> this is a, a cheap 80s uh, Australian exploitation movie. So, yeah, they look like the bad guy, like uh, Zerg, I think he is. In uh, I don't know. I have no idea. It's been a couple of years since I last rewatched them. But Carrie Fisher is briefly in this. Oh, she's technically supposed to be like one of the main characters in the movie. And she's very high build. Uh, She's one of the two people who go on the scouting mission to prepare uh, the Australian outback to receive the time traveling city. (laughs) Oh, so that's where they're going to pop into. Yeah. Cool. I mean, there's a lot of space in the outback. So um, makes sense, I guess. And it's 1988 that they're going back to for whatever reason. Oh, because that's where (laughs) America was in love with Australia in the 80s. Well, you know, you had the whole exploitation fad. Uh, and Carrie Fisher is incapacitated uh, in more ways than one. Uh, she needs to just <laughs> lie down in the shade and sit out the movie. Thanks. She she they they get to Earth and she's 
uh, rosy-faced, and she's just a little tired, and she just lays down in the shade, and they go on with the movie without her. And they come <laughs> back to her later on. They, she did, like they they catch up with her a couple times, and she's always just laying down in the shade, taking a rest. <laughs> Uh, the effects are pretty fun in the opening and end sequences, but like there's this whole long sequence where they're in 1988 Australia dealing with asshole uh, outback cops. Right. Who uh, are just like completely fascist and, you know, they, they get, end up getting uh, incinerated by the Borg guys, of course. <laughs> of course. And there's, there's a great big silly final battle and it looks like a Captain Power episode. Nice, nice. And last up is A Day of Judgment, which is the Christian morality slasher thing that I was talking about last week. Yes, I love the tagline. It's like, the night he came to collect his own. Yeah, it doesn't have he underlined. It, no, it doesn't. The night he came to town. Or the night he came home. Is or Halloween. that's what it was, yeah. 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 So, like, it's... It's a pretty slow melodrama for the most part. It's this 1920s town that's just full of assholes. They're all breaking commandments left and right. And it opens with the town priest saying, uh, I've lost the flock. There's only these three old ladies who come to the church. And these three ladies in black who, through most of the movie, just or through the most, most of the opening sequences, just walk through the town and look disapprovingly at people who will end <laughs> up being the victims later or whatever. And they're they're the bad guys. the 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 people in the town are the bad guys. So the the preacher is rolling out of town, and the moment he crosses the border, uh, someone crosses the border going the other way with a scythe. Uh, and yeah, they they just go through all of their individual commandment breaking plots, and then they sort of are all running concurrently, except when one of them finishes, and they're no longer pertinent to the plot. Uh, Reaper guy will just show up and they'll get reaped, <laughs> and they just because they don't apply to the story anymore. Right, it's right. weird. It's it's very strange because it like it doesn't. It's it's a slasher in that in that sense, but like he doesn't slash them. He, like the there's a lady he'll he like. Uh, it, they're all sort of ironic punishments. So like he makes her garden with her and die, and then she just gets pulled. She gets dragged to hell. A bunch <laughs> of hands like come out of the garden, and then like hellfire opens up, and it's pretty rad, honestly. Cool. But most of it's like it's really slow. It's not great, but uh, and it's super evangelical. Like at the <sighs> end, it, it's a Wizard of Oz thing. They pull the pull like spoilers. I guess you're you're probably not gonna watch this. I'm probably not gonna watch it, but. But like uh, they uh, at the, you know, after everyone's been raped and they've, you know, killed everyone, they all wake up from it as a dream. And it ends with everybody from the entire movie in the church with the new priest who's like, things are going to be different around here. And it goes outside and it like for the final freeze frame, it's the cross outside the church and it says the beginning. Uh, and like you know, hear the church choir singing. Yeah, like a completely Christian morality play as a slasher. Very strange. Interesting. All right, so those are the picks. What do you figure? Um, I'm kind of torn between Oz the Great and Powerful, even though you said it's not a good movie. It is an interesting movie. I mean, I I grant that there are things to talk about there. 
or or the Charles Bronson murders everyone movie. That one is fun. Like, so that's 72. It's the same year as across 110th Street and has that kind of energy. Gritty. uh, I think this is a New York one again. Or no, I think. Oh, yeah. No, it's Los Angeles and New York because he's like globetrotting trying to deal with this huge mob plot. It's so complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? Let's let's do let's do the Stone Killer. All righty. Stone Killer with Bronson. Uh, So we've got a handful of additions to the stacks. First, we've got a new box set. This is the Euro Crypt of Christopher Lee Volume 2 showed up this past week. Uh, And first in that is Uncle Was a Vampire. He's a, (laughs) (laughs) a, how you say, Commedia del Sexy? (laughs) It's a 50s Italian sex comedy. Hmm. So this is... It kind of looks like it's one of those things that's... From the poster, it's just got like a little Christopher Lee as a vampire with a vampire baby in a stroller. Yeah, because like so this is the year after the first Hammer Dracula movie where Christopher Lee played Dracula. And then he went to Italy and did a 50s Italian sex comedy parody where he's fallen on hard times and he goes to live in his nephew's castle. (laughs) <laughs> but it turns out the nephew's also fallen on hard times and had to sell it. And he's just working there as a bellboy. So his uncle is just like, you know, biting tourists and stuff and having to deal with all their bullshit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, next up is The One-Armed Boxer. This is a Jimmy Wang Yu movie, who is the Chinese boxer. Right. The plot is the same as the Chinese boxer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're... The school is I mean, overthrown. The master is murdered. Basically, the revenge. plot of about seventy-five percent of uh, kung fu movies. <laughs> it was for Five Fingers of Death as well. the The big difference in this one is that this time there's a kung fu vampire who karate chops his arm off. Oh, <laughs> that's why he's a one-armed boxer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, next up is Double Agent Seventy Three. <laughs> <laughs> Double, do you get it? <laughs> yeah, because it's Chesty Morgan again. Chesty Morgan. Uh, Expose in, in... the big two in. Oh. <laughs> so oh. this one, she is undercover because she ha- and she has a secret camera implanted in one of her breasts, and she's undercover trying to break up a heroin ring. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, by God, from the top rope, it's another nun movie. You thought we were done? <laughs> I didn't think we were done at all, but... <laughs> I did finish the box set, but uh, oh. here we have another nun movie, Flavia the Heretic. <laughs> uh, th- this one's got the wildest premise of the nun movies I had in this uh, bunch here. So Flavia is unwillingly pushed into a convent. I think that's kind of the basic plot that starts all of these. Right, right. In this case, you know, she's raped and abused, of course, and then she escapes, gathers a Muslim army, and comes back looking for blood. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next up is Bloody Mama, which is Shelley Winters as Ma Barker. Oh, ooh, that'd uh, be Roger, yeah, Roger Corman doing the Barker Boys as just a pure exploitation flick, like really leaning into all the most salacious elements of it. 
Uh, Robert De Niro's in it as one of the Barker boys, as Lloyd. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty small role because he's not one of the main ones. This is before he was famous because it's like, I think, 70 or something. Oh, okay. And last edition is The Return of Captain Invincible, which is a superhero musical from the early 80s uh, from the same guy who wrote the music for Rocky Horror Picture Show, Richard O'Brien. Oh, cool, cool. It's got Alan Arkin is Captain Invincible, who is a washed-up, drunk, World War II-era superhero who, like, in the 70s, like, he's retired to Australia because uh, during the McCarthy era, he was accused of being a communist after saving the world from Nazism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And so he's retired to Australia, and they need him to come back and rehabilitate because Christopher Lee, as Mr. Midnight, is a supervillain out to take over the world. Okay, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good time. Just this lost 80s musical. Nice, nice. All right, so what do you figure for our first film next week? Ah, good question. I think, well, now that we finally got it onto the list, let's do the next female prisoner, uh, Jailhouse 41. Jailhouse 41, all right. Uh, Female prisoner, Scorpion 7... 746? No, I don't think Mm, wow, I don't uh, remember. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll find it. Uh, it's the next one. Seven o one, female oh, prisoner wow, scorpion. Seven o one. Uh, yeah, and in jailhouse forty one, uh, where she's put back in prison. Uh, for all that stuff she did. All that stuff, and uh, you know, she disfigured the warden and killed that cop and all of that, which is cool. But she's given a one-day reprieve due to the visit of a dignitary. She takes advantage and attacks the warden again. Cool. <laughs> nice. That sounds I like love the seeing this warden do. get attacked. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume, like, over the course of, like, five movies, she becomes more and more disfigured. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. I hope so. All right. Well, uh, so our, our movies next week will be uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41 and the stone killer should be some uh, fun wild pulpy nonsense lots of people gonna get killed oh yeah there's gonna be just like fire raining down from the sky yeah. uh so uh yeah a- any last thoughts before we close for the evening um yeah how did fry get into the factory to begin with uh, I mean, I assume just security was a lot more lax in those days. You I just, guess. Because, <laughs> like, oh, no, literally, we saw him. He walked in with the shift change. Oh, yeah, that's right. He just. <laughs> that's what he did. Because he, he presumably wasn't there before. He just came in to do this one thing. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that answers that. <laughs> yeah, I guess okay, so. Okay, that's. All right, we can end the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks, uh, everybody, so much for listening. Yes, thank you uh, for putting up with with my terrible jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. Uh, until next time, you're scheming on a thing that's sabotage. <laughs>